1: Everybody welcome to episode number 47. So we're going to start off today with a little bit of sad news for our regular listeners, which is this is going to temporarily and perhaps long term be the last episode we do for a bit of time. And the reason is not because we don't love everybody who listens. We appreciate everyone who watches, everyone who's listened, who's asked a question, who's come on the show, but that in a financial perspective, after looking at this for 9 or 10 months now, we have wound up with a approximately $2,000 of losses per month that we've done this because we have to pay Justin, who's done a great job. Before, prior to him, it was Angel. Ben's apartment is filled with lights. Uh, and not only that, it takes a lot of time. So the hope was that after around 9, 10 months or a year, we could get it to financially feasible. We didn't get there. So for that reason, we're going to slow down. That said... Thank you so much to everyone who has listened, who has uh, downloaded an episode on iTunes, who watched on YouTube, who asked a question, who who spoke to us on this. Uh, to the people who've come on, we actually have two guests today. We're going out with a bit of a bang, but thank you guys so much. It was it was very fun. I wish it would have caught on a little bit more, but quite frankly. It's our fault. Yeah, that's on us. That's not on you guys. <laughs> that's not your fault at all. Uh, that's totally us. So there's going to be more exciting stuff coming. But with that said, uh, thank you. And let's wind down one this thing. one. One other thing, we're
2: still going to keep the platform open for some conversations if something very important happens in our yeah. lives, if we get someone that we think is a truly exceptional guest. So mm-hmm. stay subscribed. <laughs> and yeah, there actually are a couple people lined up over the next two months or so. So mm-hmm. it's not dead, but it is going to stop being shot regularly. Yep. So, thank you. Here we go. Great Anyways. news though for everyone who was lucky enough to tune into the last episode. We have two guests today. Woo! Woo! Hello. We have returning guest, reality TV star of Australia, Benji Wilson. Nice to be back. And Henry Hooper, sunglass, yeah. international sunglass mogul Henry Hooper. I haven't Hooper. been invited
3: officially. <laughs>
2: I forced my way on here. Nah, I wanted you here, dude. The people need to know. What's it like being an international sunglass mogul? Uh, where
3: do I start, man? <laughs> uh, it feels great just to, you know, protect people from the biggest killer of everything and creator of everything, <laughs> the sun. The sun. Yeah. Big ball of fire. Yep.
2: Henry protects your eyes. Vitru.com. Yeah, I appreciate that. Wow. What's going on, man? impressive.
4: I was going to think of questions as we went. Uh, off the top of my head, if I had to ask a question, I would uh, I'd like to ask about the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'd like to ask
1: why is it temporary closing?
5: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, Ben kind of said it. So we, we started it as an experiment. And the thought experiment was, what could we do for not an infinite amount of time, but a, without an end in sight, that we normally do and we would like to get paid for? And the answer was have conversations with one another and then it didn't make any money and in fact costed us two thousand dollars a month for about nine months in a row so eighteen thousand eh, dollars probably 20 grand later with all the equipment yeah good uh, experiment though yeah, yeah the idea was basically
2: charisma on command is starting to get training for charlie especially making breakdowns it is work what wouldn't be work what would be fun to do forever talking to each other
4: i feel like you didn't push it enough to get monetized though because you guys didn't really push for any monetization right
2: well, or you grow yet. the
4: audience first. I think. Yeah. I think
2: first you grow the audience, and then you try to make money. So we did hit up some people for sponsorships. People were willing to do a hundred dollars an episode. So then you could go from a hundred dollars a month to nine hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess you could do that. I think the the main goal is grow an audience, and then mm-hmm. from there, once you have an audience of people that love what
4: you're doing, money is easy. Right? So, are you saying first goal was not achieved? So you were not able to grow the audience of the piece you wanted and yeah. therefore haven't tried to monetize yes the only growth spikes the podcast have had were when we
2: did calls to action from Chris on command at no point did it in the last nine months get an organic push
1: I from think that's word of mouth
4: one. or reviews like there's no a, a significant organic push because for
1: sure it's been trending upwards and getting organic traffic Slightly. So yeah. so, almost barely, imperceptibly. is that, So the biggest problem is that when we ask ourselves, why would people listen to this podcast who have never heard of it? The answer is they wouldn't. The only people that would ever do it are who are already fans of Ben and I, and even of the 3 million people who like Charisma on Command, mm-hmm. uh, 17,000 of them are interested in this, which is very, very small. So what percentage... Do you think is organic, and how sure are you that? They're, how are you measuring that? I can look at it. So every day we grow by about thirty subscribers on YouTube yeah. a day. uh That's so if you you multiply that up, it's what nine thousand people or ten thousand people in a year. In a year, yeah. so and so yeah, it's sort linear. of extrapolating that, and it could go faster than that. Of For course, sure. I mean that's how charisma command grew, right? It's so yes. We've been doing but it that's for nine months
2: though. It's not it how not, this has gone. It has yeah. not taken off. Charisma on Command did not take nine months of videos to do well.
1: No, it, it took far fewer than well. that. Yeah. So yeah. so Charisma on Command in nine months went from so that would take us November to approximately what July or August. Yeah, we had I don't know if we had our first hundred thousand, but with no external push, we had a much larger audience than is this. that
4: even with like the pencil posture stuff in brazil you did
1: no no because that was 2014 i did one of those and then stopped for two years if you want to include that you could call that because i feel like
4: that's what this is for the podcast so we should shut down for two years and then come back with a much (laughs) more
2: interesting format is what you're saying
4: yeah yeah i think just because tweaking the format because your growth is that i think for me charisma command is such so massive like if this was in place of charisma command charisma command didn't exist and you were looking at the growth numbers on this you'd be like wow it's actually pretty good but because you just get Three hundred thousand views in a day on a YouTube video—it doesn't look as impressive. And
2: well, I would actually, format. I would actually disagree. And, and I would say, if anyone in the audience was could come to me and say, "Hey, I'm going to start a podcast. No topic, not about a particular thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a professional comedian, so it's not going to be top one percent funniest podcast. Mm-hmm. It's me and my friend, and we're going to talk about what interests us." Mm-hmm. I'd say you should not do that if you ever expect it to be successful. Like if someone else pitched me to theirs, I'd say only do this if you're willing to do it for five years and it will never be successful. It's, it's not a good um, selling proposition. Like, yeah. Charisma Command, why do I watch it? Because it will make you more charismatic and more confident, and it's
4: very highly produced. Yeah. Why should you watch this? If makes, you think Charlie and I are interested. It makes you more intelligent, for sure. To watch this. It, yeah, expand your brain, gives you new perceptions. Yes. You guys are very likable. I think there's a thank lot you. of reasons. Thanks, dude. You guys are
5: welcome.
2: <laughs> thank you. The thing is, when it's a new person who's never heard of us, they're comparing it to oh i want to learn should i listen to malcolm gladwell's podcast should i listen to npr's how does it work podcast or should i listen to the charlie and ben podcast if we made this the charisma on command podcast and only talked about charisma it would have a much better chance of doing well but it needs the point was to see can you do it with no prep Mm. no effort and no restrictions on what we talk about because if we are going to talk about charisma Let's just spend an extra couple of days scripting it, making it really good, and then putting it on the Charisma on Command channel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, podcasts can work, but it's tough to start a podcast where there's no restrictions, no prep at all mm-hmm. to make the, the content
4: tighter. you know what I'm saying? I do. I'm also down to switch lanes if we want to jump into some fun <laughs> stuff, but sure. otherwise I'll I'll keep going on ah, the question. Do you
1: disagree with the decision?
4: Yeah, I do. Interesting. I think it'd be very easy and very quick to be able to grow this podcast organically. What do you think we'd have to do? Well, first, I, I guess I want to understand when you say make a podcast successful, are you talking about covering costs? Are you talking about covering living expenses or audi- a specific audience size? Uh, make
2: enough money that we could have it be our sole source of income without a change in lifestyle.
1: Okay. Which is less than Charisma on Command. Charisma on yeah. Command makes enough to be a, so an low expansive six, business. low six figures each. hmm
4: I feel like that's so easy to do. What would so you, we're at $1,200 yeah. a year right now.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, even in the negative. <laughs> we're at negative. <laughs> that's you rev. Just, oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's rev. You just sorry, that's
4: if we don't pay Justin. <laughs> I would I would leverage your list is the most obvious thing to do. Leverage it in a in a stronger way. I think there's a lot of people... I mean, there's millions of people out there who would love to listen to you. You don't need to compare to Malcolm Gladwell mm-hmm. if he gets a hundred million downloads and you get one million, you've covered your cost. you're For successful sure. absolutely this sure. so you don't need to go head to head with these guys. You just need to grow your exposure
2: even if one fan just wanted to watch it a million times that might <laughs> be, you know? if someone's out some there some dedicated person
4: uh-huh. wants to watch it on loop that, <laughs> a million times. I feel like what what I would suggest is you just what is that goal if it's three hundred thousand
1: dollars a year work backwards from there how much how many viewers so we, we do we wrote it out that? we wrote it out it's yeah. roughly uh, of revenue four hundred thousand dollars to minus costs minus you know split in half taxes, taxes all that kind of stuff, stuff. yeah um of revenue for the podcast mm-hmm. is what is what the goal was mm-hmm. and then the viewership that was associated with that is roughly maybe a little bit less a hundred thousand combined listens per episode uh twice a week it might be less than that. It might be 75. It yep. might be 80. But that's the approximate So you're close number. to 10% of that way. Uh, we are, yes, less than 10% of the way there. <laughs> and,
4: uh, that 10% is, 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 it's so exponential. That 10% is the same as that next 90%. So I think one, one thing that is worth factoring in,
2: all of the subscribers, not all, 80% of the subscribers came from calls to action on the Chris Command YouTube channel. Those have been getting diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. The fifth
1: mention of the podcast did not bring in as many subscribers as the third. What did it bring in? So, I, in I, I roughly know the numbers. So, the first one, in terms of subscribers, and these aren't necessarily directly related to listens, but they're close. Mm-hmm. So, YouTube subscribers from the first call to action was uh, over 1,000. 1,000 to 2,000 people. Subscribe? Are we measuring subscribers or views? Like, literally, the day that I said, hey, this podcast yeah. is there, it, it spiked at over 1,000. And then it went down. So, it's probably... But shouldn't
4: we be looking at views, not subscribers, since the goal
1: is... Oh, well, they, oh, they, well, they, they move th- in tandem. Views
4: are actually, like yeah
1: they're
2: they're up on average because of the clips and justin's come up with a nice system but they're down they're not growing per episode yeah views are actually not trending up per episode check it out
1: man it's crazy yeah our, our best episode one of our best is still one that we did uh at the time of keanu reeves last year which was last summer which is before many of our calls to yeah, if every episode that's, got almost, m- more, that's almost better mm, if it it every that we the grown. longer you have them up the better they do no to. not all of them it means that we okay. haven't grown since that point it means that a good title last august is just as good as oh, a good title this february so within that first that our month s- compared to these first months that was higher, or that's higher overall compared to this so Okay, so this is – uh, we've, we've posted clips. We've posted a lot of stuff. And we can cut this if this isn't interesting for people. But uh, we've had spikes because, for instance, we posted clips and we weren't posting mm-hmm. clips. So then it looks like views go up. But when you take out the clips and you just go on a per-episode basis, what you find is that it's probably gone like this, like barely up. And some of our – which means some of our best episodes that we've ever shot were some of our first ones mm-hmm. in terms of listens uh, and, and views. And it means that we could do an episode two weeks ago that did worse than that which is to say that our subscriber base has not grown I cannot release a video on the Charisma on Command channel that does worse than an average video a year ago you know what I mean yeah but it I can be different if they were going if the podcast
2: looked like a thousand listens fifteen hundred two thousand twenty five hundred sure and now we're at ten thousand and you're yeah. like well that's way smaller than Charisma on Command I wouldn't shut it down because I'd be going well look at this
4: yeah but that's not what so happening. just to clarify i we can we can switch lanes if we want <laughs> we can cut otherwise anything. I'm just going we can cut this if it's I'm boring, going inspired. like a bull uh, no, say everything I was, you want to say and we'll cut everything that you when want. I was here last time we had uh, I was talking to you and you guys were t- averaging about four
1: and a half thousand yeah and now you're at Four and a half thousand combined yeah I don't think that so we oh I know why that's because we hadn't set up podtrack correctly at that time so <laughs> we weren't Fabic. we were we were incorrectly tracking our audio listens so the only way to have an accurate measurement that is comparative from that time last year mm-hmm. is on YouTube and mm-hmm. so it's on YouTube that you can sort of dive in and see some of those episodes have t- 2.200 but some of them have 4 and 5000 which is very good for even today and we love those 5000 people yeah, <laughs> love yeah, yeah. This is, we love them to death if you could cover your costs, whatever they are, would you continue? Uh, the biggest thing Ben said, is, is it growing? It's it's really not. Like if you if you showed me a roadmap for, okay, you're going to lose money hand over fist for 12 months. And then boom, in 12 months, you'll instantly pop into a growth thing that covers your costs. And then again, I would, might continue doing it. But I don't see a route where the Charlie and Ben podcast becomes something that people listen to. Because unless, there is no uni- unique selling proposition. Unless, to us, unless, unless
2: we're done like Jay Shetty. Who mm-hmm. does 12-minute audios that are scripted word for word and it's a podcast but it's basically like our youtube videos you yeah. know what i mean very very clean he never says like everything is is pre packaged and when you listen to it you're like wow he's so eloquent he's so good yeah that's same as when charlie honestly more scripted than when charlie's on a youtube video but if we're going to put that effort into content it kind of makes sense to just put it on the chris Monk command channel
4: all if, right because so- you don't enjoy that type of content Follow-up
2: question. Well, if we enjoyed the Henry content, has- we would just make more. Even more. We do two a week. <laughs> Henry's on
3: stand. Yes, Henry. <laughs> what are you going to do now? What is in the future for uh, COC? The Cockboys. So- <laughs> is, this, is this time for you guys to let everybody know what's really going on over on there? Yes. It's time to let
2: everyone know I'm working to improve Charisma University. Wow. Yeah. That's what <laughs> so, so, Where would sorry, they get
1: what? access to that?
2: So you would go to charismaoncommand.com slash university. <laughs> trying
1: to monetize. <laughs> Everyone buy, buy, buy. They that's one of my Like
2: if you could cover your costs, <laughs> yeah, we got $5 yeah. Patreon.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, so what I'm going to do is for one month, I'm just going to improve CU. There's a couple things people really like in there. Demonstrations. So instead of just talking about it, showing it with either a breakdown or I might hire a videographer and just go follow me around on. for like two weeks. Yeah and then worksheets every day so people love when there's an action guide it's 20 minutes of like what to do each day but only a handful of them have these fill in the blank worksheets and people love them we have a survey and everyone's just some more worksheets so i'm gonna make one for every day and then in a month i have no idea what i'm gonna do gotcha you could roll emotional mastery into there too we should figure out something to do with emotional mastery i looked it makes like thousand
1: dollars a month but that suffers from so we have another oh. course for those of you who don't know that's called emotional mastery i really like it <laughs> i don't know where you can get it you gotta join our you email you can't you have list. to join our email list. <laughs> uh join it. it's buried i really like it it's buried but it, it's got the same problem as the charlie and ben podcast which is it doesn't solve a problem that people identify as having now might it ultimately be useful if you committed several hours to checking it out I think yes about this podcast and I think yes about that course well the course I think just needs a rebrand though more so than the podcast yes yes because it's it it, it it could be the people you could change take the it, title the people up, that yeah. take it right in and say it was life-changing this is the best people thing really ever. enjoy our podcast who wind up listening to it yeah um but it's got the same problem which is it doesn't sell itself the charlie and ben podcast you know, and that's what we want it to be we don't want it to be the charisma on command podcast so I I don't see a world where emotional mastery or we go door to door yeah
2: with our phones <laughs> and we sit every now and we say we need an hour of your time <laughs> we just proselytize we become evangelists
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah and so that's that's part of it versus that bill clinton video that i did that has this president you know the 42nd or whatever president of the united states who you know has excellent eye contact it doesn't take uh, a big push behind that for people to click that youtube video uh, plus, unlike podcasts, the entirety of our audience on YouTube is discoverable versus we're splitting between the YouTube, which is great, the YouTube algorithm, and also the podcast algorithm, which is completely undiscoverable, only shows things that are completely trending and popular, like Jay mm-hmm. Shetty, like Whitney Cummings when she started her podcast, or mm-hmm. H3 when they started theirs. I appreciate how much you don't want us yeah. to shut it down, though. What is your, like, best
3: performing clips? Because I could just, you know, chat about that stuff for you. Whenever you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best performing clip...
2: I I think it was about when James Charles had a scandal and Ben Shapiro walked off stage for an interview. And we put it into one clip, a super clip. The separate events. Yes. That you made one. Yeah. <laughs> <Like>
5: <laughs> we just this. talked about both back to back.
2: <laughs> so was like, was, I haven't
3: heard this news.
2: <laughs> <laughs> James Charles scandal, Ben Shapiro walks off. I think that was the title. We were like, what? That's James incredible. James Charles pissed off Ben <laughs>
1: Shapiro? We should do that. Trend stacking. Just aggressive.
2: That's what we'll call it. Just
1: aggressive <laughs> <laughs> trend stacking. <laughs> Click baiting, trend stacking. Trend stacking. That's true. We haven't tried <laughs> misleading our audience. We could give that a try. I <laughs> only got one thing. you licking? Perfect. Perfect. Contra points. So the guy's critiquing capitalism, which I know that you guys hate. You guys are trying to tear down the man, obviously, over here. Down to the man. Uh, and he said the purpose of advertising is to manufacture desires. Which I thought was an interesting but incorrect assumption. I think that's often levied against capitalism that uh, advertising creates desires that people don't have. So they see people buying Jeeps and Gucci and they go, advertising did that. But I actually think what you learn, and you've learned this as a marketer and you've learned this too, is that you can't make people want things that they don't already want. All that you can do is tie your product to something that they desire. Uh, and so the guy goes on and he talks about, you know, advertising endlessly creates new needs. It does all these things. And and the capitalism is the reason that people are so materialistic and, and uh, trying to move ahead and, and keep up with the Joneses. But I actually think, I don't know what you guys do, that that is a mistake, that it is uh, inherent to human nature. And the problem of acquisitiveness and materialism goes so much deeper than capitalism. And all that's happening is is in this person's video that they are kind of outsourcing responsibility for uh, the way that people are inherently to the rich 1%, the billionaires. They're the ones who have made us, you know, want to drink Coca-Cola and they're the ones making us fat when in reality, we are very, very grateful to all of the advertisers that give us something to project our internal needs onto and go, oh my God, if I just had that Gucci bag or if I just had that Well, I disagree a little bit actually because
2: I heard about, and this is just an anecdote, but I heard about some Scandinavian rock star who lives in a one-bedroom apartment mm-hmm. and is a massive rock star in their country. And in the U.S., she'd have $100 million. And they asked her about it. They're like, do you want a mansion? And she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm happy. And I think that's because the, the desires exist, the desire to feel respected, loved, looked up to. But what aggressive marketing does is it makes you feel inadequate in comparison to people who have the things that they're marketing, mm-hmm. right? So if you see a marketing uh, aggressive marketing push for Porsche and Porsche is going to get you... The dating life you want or the respect you want or whatever it is what you feel is oh if i don't have a porsche i am lacking in that whereas if there was no television you wouldn't feel that you might feel it in your community mm-hmm. but if you have a socialist or communist community which by the way i'm i'm actually pretty pro-capitalist but i'm just saying i, I think this does happen you would look around and you'd see everyone is relatively equal well does that make sense because what cap what what you have is as a human i think a comparative nature a desire to look around Mm -hmm. and compare yourself to other people and what capitalism lets occur is a giant gap and then what marketing does is it can highlight that gap to you aggressively Mm -hmm. tell you if you have this thing you'll feel complete but you can't afford that thing so what you do is you take out debt to get it and that's why you end up rolling credit cards and buying things you can't afford which doesn't happen in countries that have a different culture where
1: it happens less so i think I mean, Scandinavia is, is capitalist. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know that, that that singular counterpoint... No, I am saying, mar- you said marketing doesn't create
2: desire. And I'm, I'm saying marketing can prod desires. Sure, but, can but this person, desires. I'm
1: imagining this rock star exists in a, this, a similar space to you and I and everyone else in America, which is they've been marketed to. I would say that their are uh, having overcome that is not indicative of coming from a Scandinavian country, but it's some no, internal...
2: No, no, because no, I think they live in a culture where people aren't lauded for having mansions. So even if you're seeing marketing of American people, when you look around, no one's telling you about their amazing car or their amazing house. I mean, they
1: have to have commercials, right? I mean, when you turn on the television in between their shows, there's Sure, but there's, there's, so, there's some difference. All I'm saying is there's some difference, right? I think I – think, I actually don't know. I, I, that, that seems to me to be more indicative of the other point that you were saying about uh, your immediate community being very impactful as opposed to like I imagine that person sees about as many ads per day as I do. And I think what might be different in their life as compared to American life, which you highlighted, is that the the community aspect that we've talked about, like they've got, they're filled up in other ways such that those ads are less effective. I'm saying something is different. Something makes America particularly uh,
2: terrible at feeling inadequate, having a keeping up with the Mm -hmm. Joneses mentality, desiring more money
1: feeling like you should be famous that very much seems to be very highlighted in the u.s and i think the issue is not advertising that that's what i'm saying about this person this person saying advertising has done this to me and i'm saying okay if someone in scandinavia just let's take that as a prototypical scandinavian i would they're probably being advertised to in similar amounts to someone who doesn't live in times square what they have different is interesting and i think it's more to that community point that you talked about it's more to uh Those other things. So uh, my only thought when I was watching that is that this is laying at the feet. This is laying uh, America's problems at the feet of the advertisers and the the corporate bigwigs, as opposed to the structure that we arrange ourselves in. Like we talked about, where we live in apartments that are all separate, and we don't have uh, the community support structure. So that that was just my thought with regards to that.
2: Yeah, I don't know what makes the difference, Mm -hmm. but I do I do think that there is something about being in the U.S. that does more to trigger desire Mm -hmm. than just the fact that
1: oh humans are desirous totally there seems like a real lack of contentness Mm -hmm. in a lot of people's lives in the u.s interesting and so and and you would and i I probably agree
2: with you wanting to change their circumstances i see i see all my (laughs) my friends who are millionaires want more money Mm -hmm. when i look online i see a lot of people really upset at the social structures and they feel like they don't have enough money yeah teachers who want more money everybody like no one i know is
1: just happy with the amount of money they have interesting (laughs) interesting so so if, and I don't know if this is all true, but let's take it as a given. Let's say that on, in Scandinavia, on average, that's less, but just, just as a presupposition. And it's more in the U.S. And I think advertising is probably fairly similar. Like, you've got TVs and you've got social media. Like, it's all still there. So what's the difference? Like, you're saying America is different. I agree. There's some sort of culture that just tells I don't everybody know. that. I'm not, I haven't studied zero sociology. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm at, uh, do you guys have any thoughts? I don't have much. I mean, you're from Australia. Do you think that it's the same? um so i would say one
4: thing i noticed about the u.s and i don't even know the stats like i don't know if it Mm -hmm. is more capitalistic than australia Uh, but if it is one thing i notice is i think that the technology and the the marketing is more advanced i think they're they're much cleverer psychologically when i go home sometimes and i look at one of the ads on tv and it's like Come down to the barbecue place and mm-hmm. get a new barbecue. And like it doesn't get you like you watch those Super Bowl ads, like the Super Bowl is just oh. on and watch those ads, I'm like, these are ridiculous good. And I would
1: think that may contribute to that. Just so you, so you think the advertising is less sophisticated in Australia? I'd like really it definitely stoking is. interesting. It definitely is. Interesting. So it's it's would you say that it is I've I've never been there, that it more is just like, Hey, we have cars here. If you want a car, come down to the old car station and buy a car, as opposed to America, which is like You'll get laid, and you can the jeep you know, commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be a real like, man. Where you'll yeah, be a real. Drive
3: around. There's a hot girl it, with a jeep,
4: and you have a jeep. It's it's much simpler. It's much more straightforward. I don't watch much TV at all, but even even the YouTube retargeting ads, you'll get Australian people selling e-commerce courses, and you'll be like, God, that looks terrible. Really? Compared to you, yeah, just all across the board. And I would almost just put it down to a numbers game. We have what 8% about percent of your population? So we're mm-hmm. going to not be
1: as advanced. There's not much competition. So let me let me ask because I I'm curious why what about the ads makes you less desirous of the product is it that it promises less is it that the polish on the ad is less Yeah it's just the polish the polish it's Okay the, but the promise is the same which is you're going to make a lot of money for instance on an e-commerce course or you yeah, know this I car is going to be the greatest I think
4: it's the the approach and it's just there's mm-hmm. less there's less competition so the quality is just less mm. um and there's less
1: demand so the competition doesn't grow that much do you find your, i guess you don't watch a lot of ads because you don't really
5: don't watch, watch tv at
4: all
1: got it so you don't you don't come to america and feel like you need to buy more stuff or anything like that uh i do because amazon is incredible here yeah.
4: okay <laughs> yeah you got a better selection so it's <laughs> like you get over and it's like yeah i'll take that back that back that back got it so this um, is your shopping yeah exactly before you go back exactly
1: home. it makes sense yeah. how do you sell your sunglasses do you make people thirsty um have you tried it have you tried just getting people super aroused and as a tangential thing having the sunglasses be in the background i mean so we went to rome and the only thing that came of it is that henry and i got up at 5 a.m to go to trevi fountain so that he could stand there with his iphone and uh, put them for, down in the 3 extra turn on this video <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they love wait, that wait, backdrop you made three times <laughs> money on that well uh,
3: video just does better which it's, one was in, it in regards to your which question was the one that about well. desire for me personally it's an impulse buy it's a low price purchase and so people who you've, you've seen those long for copy where they promise your desire and attach a product to it doesn't matter yeah. for me and probably most sunglasses except for the big brands who make you look cool yeah. it's about getting a deal just uh, being
1: in front of somebody. And, I show them a product, yeah. here's our deal. Yeah. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Um, got it. So they don't think that their life is going to be dramatically transformed, probably.
3: No, uh, no I'm not going to promise them that there will be the really good-looking guy or girl in the photo. Well, not prom. Yeah, it's not – It's not. is it not girls I hanging show on anyone? Pretty, no, I pretty much showed just the, the product. product
2: yeah. yeah. Is that because you feel like it's unethical or that's just because it's a, a hard to produce?
3: Um, I, I think for me I've got direct – uh, returns when I just show the product. I've done more photos and the models, and like um, that just hasn't panned out for this specific oh, really? business. Yeah, um, you've shown guys rocking your
2: sunglasses surrounded by women, and people just don't care.
3: Yeah, the product sells oh. itself for this specific like niche. Like the, they'd rather just see it on somebody. Um, they don't. Have, they're not really aspirational to be that person or have what they have for for the men's accessories. Um, I'm also not big enough to be like. You could be Wiz Khalifa wearing this chain. You know what I mean? Um, You didn't go branding. So what was the one that did the best from Rome? Uh, The backdrop of when we went. What was that place we went to? St. Peter's? Yeah. Was it St. Peter's? Yes. Because it's just this ridiculous three-foot-tall mural painting. And no one knows where it is, but (laughs) it also. (laughs)
5: Because
3: it could be any spot in that basilica Yeah, you just held it up at the at the ceiling
1: yeah hell yeah you one of the things that we've talked on here that that you i bring you up when you're on the podcast is the people who sell you know i made this much money per month you can do it and you'll sit there and go oh my god i made 10 times that but actually my take home. so you can tell the story yeah this is my expertise <laughs> this, <laughs> this is my like, online A yeah, little background like, Henry has a drop shipping yeah, yeah. business where he sells a number of products the biggest one that he's done recently is sunglasses
3: yeah yeah men's accessories mm-hmm. mostly um, but I've done everything in that drop ship that you niche if you're at all familiar with those ads I know some of those guys I understand their entire business model I understand uh, their margins on what they make where they source the product so I like understand why they're advertising and their numbers where they flash
1: it and um, and I'll say like, and a for lot instance, of it, so just so like you'll see a product and go, I saw that on Alibaba today. Like, I, I know like, how much that is costing. Yes. You
3: just showed me a revenue number with the amount of units you sold. I quickly did uh, the math in my head. Shows me uh, half of that is cost of product, and usually your advertising cost is at least thirty percent, especially for little knickknacks. From Ali, Bob Ali Express. Mm-hmm. And so I go, like, and you're $100,000. $1. Right? You made $10,000 over the entire year, and you're telling people to sign up for your course for freedom of their life. Yeah, and yeah. your course is $1,000. Yeah, <laughs> and I go, you're just ripping people off for your course. And then you have
2: one screenshot. Um, so let's yeah, say. Because they'll, they'll make an ad and they'll say, I made $100,000 in 2019, and you can too. And yes, ten, you do know it, you go, you made
3: $10,000. And then connect back to the last point. They're in a Lamborghini <laughs> in, Las, in Las Vegas or L.A. or a city. And they have a girl that is. it's mostly guys yeah, in this yeah. niche. Uh, and they have a hot girl in the, in the video. So they take their 10 grand
2: and they blow it all, <laughs> renting a car and paying a model. Yes. And then where they really make their money is selling you
1: a course Dude. so that you can buy the stream that they're not living. So if you had – this is what I, my question. If you had to tell the literal truth but you, and you were in this niche saying selling what you're doing – what numbers could you come up with? Could you say last year I made a million dollars and it would technically be revenue? Like what? Yeah, n- yeah, what did you yeah, make? yeah. So Henry me personally, yeah. yeah, yeah. Henry made over a million dollars yes. last year. Damn, if son. he were if he were a guru, he'd be talking about seven figures. But the margin on that is I am a seven would, figure <laughs> branded business center. But okay, but let's let's but walk that back. Well, so, here's the thing
3: though, because I would happily pay Henry for his knowledge. This Henry, is this is my point. Before you go ahead, I watch that video and go. I should buy his course or <laughs> I should teach and it's like really attractive to just want to jump into this niche because it seems so easy they make it seem so easy
1: well let's let's cover some of the myths so let's first deconstruct the actual income so you made how much last year rev roughly <laughs> Jesus Christ lay it out roughly over a million over a million dollars okay and your take home was what percentage roughly of that your uh, actual after profit specifically on the drop ship 15% mm-hmm. okay so f-
3: that's that's a huge drop Still off good
1: it's great. I have a brand in that
3: makes thirty to forty percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you drop sh- my, from my experience, it was low. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. For drop shipping. and again, By the way, for people who are again familiar, it's low ticket drop shipping uh, items
1: under a hundred dollars. Yeah, you can have way higher margins if you're going to go with the retailers and. Got it. Got it. Okay, so you you make that much money. What is something about the industry that uh, people don't get, and to whom would you actually recommend? If they're, you know, join a course or sign up and do drop shipping is that nobody should do it? Somebody should do it? Just a few people should do it? Like, what don't they understand and could they ask themselves if they're considering getting into some of these uh,
3: I think you, you would agree the same thing. It, um, yeah, as you a can answer teacher, this question too. Yeah. Um, I would say it's a job mm-hmm. um, and go into it thinking that you're going to put a lot of work in and you're going to fail. Yeah. Um, yeah, your and first it's for, product it can, won't work. It can your be, second product I, won't work. I failed so many times. I started in Las Vegas. I started with Benji doing FBA. You remember what I was selling? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You remember how many- You pat- started making some money, though. I started making money. It was great. Thank God I didn't quit my job. It's a process. Uh, I sold kitchen containers- because that's my passion. <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, reusable produce reusable bags. Reusable produce yeah. bags. Avocados. I sold women's necklace, choker necklaces. Remember yeah. that fad? Yeah. That was a great
2: product. <laughs> <laughs> like, So I want to codify. So two myths so far. One, anyone that advertises you how much money they're making, it's probably revenue. And they're basically lying because they're It's
3: 90% of the time revenue unless they... It's 100% of the time revenue unless they specifically say, this is my profit. Because sure. no one says that. And sometimes they'll show you the revenue from their core sales
2: too. So they'll say, last year I made... 3 million revenue 500 grand of that will be product revenue 2.5 million course revenue and so you're actually signing up at that point to maybe at your best make 500 revenue and 50 grand profit and to your point second myth it's not easy (laughs) so that person if they didn't sell a course would make 500 grand revenue from their from just their product 50 grand profit so nice
4: middle class job working a full-time job yep also they are not building an asset in the drop shipping business, they make fifty grand off five hundred, and that's they're just left with that cash. You know, there's no tangible value to I knew how to run Facebook ads last year. Yeah, they have a list, but like you said, the lists are pretty weak because there's three week ship times, right?
3: Yeah, if you're gonna drop ship from from China, when's the last time you bought something from China?
1: It takes at least twenty days. Mm-hmm. Are the, are there particular industries or like? Because there's a million ways. I I understand it. Everybody wants to make money from home and not have to have a boss and. I totally sympathize. I do not encourage, encourage, do they want to do it two hours a week and, or, or, or even to work. I encourage people to try to get out of the rat race. It fucking sucks. So uh, in your opinion, are there particular industries that are more or less ripe for people to to, to get into? And some that are just like, look, you're, you're going to have a hard time in this period because you were saying that they don't build an asset. And it seems like if you're going to fail, you at least want to develop a skill set that is applicable in other areas. So exactly. I'm curious what you think doesn't qualify for that and what might qualify for that.
4: I would, I would answer the question um, with something that's probably slightly different to Henry, but I would say it almost all qualifies because it's all educational. Okay. So, if you start somewhere, like Henry and myself, mm-hmm. and you just keep going, you're going to learn all the lessons you need to learn anyway, and you'll find the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone finds different paths as well. There's millions of ways to do it. Um, but for me, what I've learned is you want to be able to build an asset Something that's going to pay you years from now, like your YouTube channel is incredible. Mm -hmm. Udemy is amazing. A private label brand that's sustainable is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you want to also want to learn the skill that gets you uh, exponential results on it. So you've learned how to break the, not break. You've learned how to use the YouTube algorithm to your advantage. You have that skill in your head. And even if your YouTube channel went away, you could go consult for a YouTube channel for six figures like that. Yeah, like You are financially free because of the skills and the asset you built and not because you made
1: half a million dollars three years ago. Yeah, interesting. You have done uh, coaching on various different ways of people to make money online. You've sat on Skype calls with people. Can you tell, uh, well, I guess, can you tell if someone's gonna be successful based on an email or a conversation or how they show up to a Skype call pretty quickly at this point? Absolutely. Okay. What what marks someone who is going to be successful and and someone who doesn't? This is something I'm very intrigued by and very passionate yeah. about at the
4: moment. Just yeah. like decoding not just the not just people like like Henry who are I know is going to be successful, mm-hmm. but also people who are I feel
1: like very delusional and very much I would bet against if I could. When did you know Henry was going to be successful? Cuz I remember a time where we were all in Las Vegas yeah. and the running joke was we'd walk into Henry's room and YouTube would be on. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Baboon, be like what's Henry up to? Baboons. He's YouTubing <laughs> like and, and it was we were, <laughs> <that> was, <laughs> I was building skills and <laughs> assets. Sure. So did you and we lived together at at various points. Henry contracted for us. We mm-hmm. paid him $1000 mm-hmm. to do some WordPress stuff at one point. When did you feel like you knew? We paid you a thousand dollars. Don't say that we didn't. <laughs> it does not pay well. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't pay well. Don't get me wrong. Probably you probably $300 didn't. Mommy's credit card. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you did the gold credit card. Henry. <laughs> the gold um, credit card. I
4: Henry, knew Henry he, would do well when he gave up the gold credit card. Mm-hmm. And had to go and work, I don't know what to disclose here in you certain... You could say, he, yeah, Henry had to go bartend. Bartend.
3: I sure did. In a male <laughs> club. Uh, and female. <laughs> and a female club? <laughs> in a gay club. <laughs> the reason, <laughs> you can disclose that. But I, I really don't yeah, care. I'm Henry, just being facetious. Yeah,
1: he's, the reason that Benji's being a little weird is because Henry worked in a gay bar in Vegas and at one point had to walk around without his shirt on and serve shots. Out of, out of his belly button. Sometimes out of his belly button. It's the
3: running joke, right? <laughs> Question. Yeah, yeah, Question. Were you just shirtless?
1: I always
2: picture
3: you in a banana hammock. Let's type go thing. back to the business. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, of course. Yeah, I was in my underwear. I was you like, were in your underwear. That's yeah, what yeah, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah, in my yeah. underwear. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Luckily, I've scared the dog. It's just Our <laughs> laughter. Oh, it's uh, Yeah, yeah, it sucked. Um,
1: go ahead. Tell, tell me more about us. Uh, when did you know? See, so, was it at that point that you knew when he went? Because there was a period yeah, where he, he even had stepped d- away from, from online stuff to go make money. You know, serving drinks and that kind of stuff.
4: Well, Henry's a little bit different because I didn't, I didn't analyze him specifically as, as a skill level, but I mm-hmm. analyze his environment. He's around okay nine people who all make passive incomes online mm-hmm. and moves around the world with them. Like you're gonna get drawn into that. Got it. And also, you're you're doing body shots at your belly button, <laughs> and you come home, and I know you don't like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, credit to Henry though. Henry was making mm-hmm. six figures at XS, no. eighty grand a year. How much? Is, how much is a, a um, well, then
1: then he moved to a different larger called? club in Vegas. Oh, well, this is – we're talking about various access. points. That's my, The
3: lowest where I was most
2: unhappy is no, what no, Benji but described. What, but what does someone make – so at one point, I forget the word, but you were a busboy. You were a busboy yeah, at yeah. XS, the yeah. nightclub in Las Vegas. Yeah. What do they make a year?
3: Uh, every year I would have in my bank $25,000. Um, saved? In my bank, yeah, saved. And I didn't really have to pay taxes because they took them out while we while we worked. I don't know the exact numbers. I'd say sure, probably 60000 saying you, $60, you didn't actually go from a job you hated
2: to an entrepreneur. You actually could have... You found a cushy job that played, paid well. You didn't like it, but your girlfriend worked there too. Yep, yep. You could have coasted. You actually could have, at that point, given up the entrepreneur dream and just gone, this is cool. I'll do this yeah, yeah. for 10 it's, years. It's, it's comfortable in a cheap city, yeah. When Did, did you think that Henry was going to be successful at that point? When did you... Dude, I knew Henry was going to be successful when he got in a car after a breakup... <laughs> threw all of his stuff in the back and you got a phone call at improv and it was henry going i am i just broke up or shayla and i just broke <laughs> no. up and i'm on my way to la way. and i went you know what at this point i definitely bet money on henry being a successful entrepreneur because he burned the boats mm. like when he was in 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 uh, las vegas mm-hmm. making good money chilling going to parties for free seeing yep. sick concerts for free yeah why he, there's no fuel there but for some reason, there was enough fuel to get in that car
1: and call you and say, I'm on my way. <laughs> well, and so, that was when yeah. I was like, yeah, he's definitely going to be successful now because he burned the boats. So, for yeah, I remember it was a few months earlier. I was in Safeway talking to you, and you were con- contemplating quitting excess, which was the job that you're describing. Mm-hmm and going full time on this business that you'd been if you looked at your tax returns your your revenues and your expenses were the same so you made no money yeah so yeah, yeah it was break even like, for you were break even for months working part time excess or no no no, no, I, no like no, no. At at I FBA and, and that kind of stuff living and he, a comfortable
2: life and he making had, good money in his job he had the foundational stuff
1: business. in place but like wasn't giving it the attention because he had this full time job and was super tired yeah. and he was yeah, do I feel comfortable and was when he left that job and went full time on it I was like okay now is his best shot mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that anybody listening should quit your job no, no. necessarily but, but if you're really handsome you might want to quit your job and go work at a club <laughs> in Las Vegas
2: it's yeah. <laughs> a, a good way to make some <laughs>
3: cash straight up cash yeah just for so the audience knows I am not a smart guy I think I'm persistent and I got in a good environment um, I didn't really do too well in school and I think it was a, a matter of persistence in the people around me mm-hmm. anything else that you see in your calls Benji with people so it's very different with people than, than with Henry
4: because his environment was completely his environment different than is every other different. person you're talking to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also would put a timeline on that. So mm-hmm. me and you, I think, differ in, differ in this opinion, but I, I believe everyone can be successful in the right environment given enough time. Yeah. And I would analyze... And, and we mean successful just financially
1: in this. In this financially country.
4: free through a passive income business. Sure. Um, paying Stop. their expenses. And I... I think it's just like the people who I know are going to be financially free or successful in two years either already are and just want to to do more of that, mm-hmm. or you can see a very growth driven mindset. They depersonalize everything, and they understand, like Henry said, they are going to fail along the way. They are going to make mistakes along the way, and they're incredible opportunities to learn the path because the path is the path is proven. There's tens of millions of people who've done it. Mm-hmm. And you just got to get on it and follow those footsteps. And when you fail, it just means you slightly went off the path, go back, go the other way. And the best way to shortcut that is to find someone who does it well and and follow them. Um, And the people who I think do the worst, immediately, they're entitled. They think they're entitled to financial freedom. They hate their job and they're a very Mm -hmm. victim mindset. Like, I can't be doing this anymore. I had one guy jump on a coin. He's like... I'm trusting in you. Uh, <laughs> I really need this.
5: <laughs> like,
4: dude, what are you talking about? This is not for me. Trusting uh, you. I'm trusting. And anyone is like, oh, I'm down. Like I got on a, a call the other day and I took this guy on for mentorship and I wasn't even offering mentorship. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, dude, I'll do anything. I understand. He he showed me his product ideas and they're very premium, nice looking products. Um, He's, uh, I believe, Romanian, not 100% <laughs> on that. <laughs> and uh, speaks like, five languages and he's just like I'm bussing uh, tables at a, at a coffee shop um, and I work eight hours a day then I come home and I work eight hours on my business mm-hmm. and you can just you can just tell it's just a matter of time because he mm-hmm. has that growth mindset and he's re- willing to put in the work and learn got it well I, I agree that the number one thing is persistence because at Henry's point I've seen guys that didn't they weren't a
2: straight a students by any means but they just stick with it and they end up being successful and we even have our most successful friend in my opinion who now runs like a huge bone broth company and a big keto company. But his first business, he wanted to do coconut vodka. Yeah. And he took so long sourcing the perfect recipe and the perfect vodka. And I was in a club in Vegas one day and his, com- his company was gonna be called Kovo. And all of a sudden I say, uh, hey dude, I got some bad news. I just bought a Voco.
5: It's <laughs> oh, <no> exactly
2: <laughs> your product, but it already exists and you're six months from production. And he, yeah, he spent a year or so on it and just wow. shut it down immediately, which is total failure in quotes, right? So yeah, everyone, I mean, we had a failure. Everyone I know that's successful had a failure. So I think if you're gonna be a successful entrepreneur, you have to be able to just take that on the chin and go, all right, so that was a complete waste of
1: time. Voco exists, they ate my lunch, what's next? I have a question, and this, we always, I don't know if we're gonna get anywhere because you and I always disagree on this, you mentioned it. You think anyone, given the right environment and time, will make breakthrough, make enough money to uh, cover financial freedom. Mm I don't have that view. My view is that. Uh, well, go ahead. You wanted to. Hop I'm in. confused how we can't get on the same page. We'll so what is your view? A few times. Share your view. My view is that if you if you just zoom out and you see what happens, uh, a small percentage of people actually do it, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's to say that five percent of people do it, maybe with uh, shifts. 10% of people could, or maybe 20% of people could, but the other 80 might be better served to recognize. And I'm not saying that everyone can't try and be like, oh, who knows if I'm in that 5%. But what do you think the I, pers- recipe is to be in that 5%? It's not just persistence, because there's survivor bias around our friends, right? You know what I mean? Like, there's, I mean, we haven't talked about our other people who, they, we didn't like them for other reasons, but some of them have contacted you recently and... Oh, dude! There's persisting, some, persisting, persisting. He supports himself as an entrepreneur. I just don't like him. Okay, so <laughs> that, even at that point, he already was supporting himself. I'm saying that yes. you haven't met this. There's a lot of survivor bias in our persistence friends who have made it, and I think that oftentimes, uh, not not out of any sort of malice, it's it's easy to forget about all the people who do not have your brain power, do not like just just don't have the raw IQ behind. It oh, and I'm the not problem saying skills. I'm not saying that everyone can be a successful entrepreneur. Well, Benji saying, and I often. I'm heads saying on if you
2: show me someone who lacks mental toughness and persistence mm-hmm. and has 160 IQ and you showed me someone else who's very persistent and has 100 IQ What? that's the average right? 100? Sure. Uh, I'm going to bet Lucky. on the I'm going <laughs> <laughs> wow. to <What>? Imagine that. <laughs> I'm going to bet on the 100 IQ guy and I think the 160 IQ guy is going to end up being a really good employee. Mm-hmm. I think that may be true. Uh, that's, that's possible. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying everyone can be successful. I'm
1: just saying I think that the thing I look around and see is the ability to fail and then get up and try again sure if if that 160 iq guys made a glass because the other thing that's <laughs> iq is highly correlated with income it's insane sure sure with income yeah well most people are okay you're saying employees so people are employees yeah, yeah.
2: You, you go be a ceo of a company you make millions of dollars sure you just so, didn't start
4: it my thought is when you say can be successful so say take mr 160 iq he doesn't have persistence persistence is a learnable thing you know persistence was learned by the people who have persistence because i've learned from people around him that's worked well in the past mm-hmm. he can be successful by just learning persistence but he needs a goal and a pull or a, or a push if he's in pain strong enough to shift his identity to be someone who is now persistent yeah, yeah. well i think persistence comes from having a big enough why
2: yes i think it just comes from having a, a huge burning desire i agree but charlie you
4: say that he could not be
1: successful no, I I say- you're saying
4: there's different things that hold people back right
1: Well, without focusing on persistence as much, I'm saying the the word could is kind of a strange word. That's the disagreement. I mean, it it all comes down – it boils down to this word, which is, well, if they could, then why don't – they They don't want to be financially free? They they don't – why is it that in any given course, a great success rate for financial freedom would be 5% of the attendees? Now, these are people who put their money, showed up, go to events. There's courses that – I don't mean to. This isn't to badmouth them at all, but there was one that Dane Maxwell ran called what was it? It was a software as a service. They foundation. You, the foundation. 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 Yeah. And it, it not only it was accountability throughout. Ben over it was over the period of months. It was accountability. You know, over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, not just like, hey, here's the information, but a community to support and five percent of people maybe make make a successful, sustainable business.
4: I think what I'm saying is, anyone listening to this podcast. If they understand they first have to find the right environment, mm-hmm. then they're going to be much more likely to be
1: successful. 100%. 100,000%. Well, I would say that's one of the biggest things that you should do.
2: Yes. And where we disagree, that raises your success rate from 5% to 10%. Or
4: even 1% to 5 Who knows?
2: Or 1% right. to 10%. <laughs> yeah. But you're still at 10%. <laughs>
5: yeah.
4: For maybe for your first business. Sure. Like For these Y-combinated businesses, these other 90% of people
1: don't go back and work at a mm-hmm. supermarket. I bet some do, though. Maybe so. So let's 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 move to a different topic. But I I, and if you want to respond to this, I'll give you a chance. But I think the big difference is you're a smart guy, and for you, everything is always just come, man. You like you win. You're like good at this. You're good at that. You're just like oh, when I try stuff, works. And I think it is hard for you to imagine the the reality of someone without your horsepower, Uh, and and what it is like. Because for you, you're like oh, I didn't succeed as i reflect i didn't really try that hard and i didn't have the right mentors and then you get it in place and then you and then you win yes and i do think that it is not not at all malicious but like an inability and even when you look in your friends and family they're all above average it's it's difficult to imagine what it is like to be below average because i think you don't encounter it so frequently neither do i i yes. just read about it sometimes <laughs> i i agree with what you say. should Got we it. transition into black cool. pill yeah let's do it let's do tran- you have some stuff or is that um, is that what Justin had? Or Is that what you
2: No, no. I'm saying that's what this reminds me of, which okay. we've never talked about. about what all is Black Pill? Yeah, Charlie. What is Black Pill? Well, I thought that this was Justin's topic. Oh, is it? I don't know, Justin. You, what do you got? Was this the Black Pill, or is that me?
1: Am I supposed to say this? I don't know. You can say it. It's two it. thirty, Justin. <laughs> let's kick it to you, Justin. <laughs> so we're cutting back. We had Justin read this. We realized we gave he doesn't mic. have mic. <laughs> that's our bad, Justin. So this is we Justin's Justin's uh, research and contribution. So he brought up an article about the Manosphere that was written by a female journalist, uh, and I won't read it all, but it says that. This group of people are – the Texas Department of Public Safety released a report saying that these people are an emerging domestic terrorism threat as current adherents demonstrate marked acts or threats of violence in furtherance of their social grievance, which is to say that these manosphere people uh, have grievances and they are dangerous. Well, and specifically they said incels, right? Well, then it breaks them down. So you've got what they call MRAs, men rights activists, who they define as – People who claim that family law and social institutions are discriminatory against men. Then they have ngatau, mm, men going their own ways. You're a big proponent. <laughs> 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 I'm going my own way. Uh, take this feeling of grievance further. Arguing the society can't be amended. I don't know that, that, that that's where – this isn't me. Uh, and they often avoid women blaming them for their problems. Uh, PUAs pick up artists who date and harass women. They date and harass them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I,
5: just, I thought we were going same a time or I
2: thought we were working on a scale. <laughs> no, and no. This I was like, it's kind of intense. It's like men's rights then a little bit more extremism is Also over here, not related as pickup artists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then people who date also, women. Also our pickup artists. <laughs> Sorry, is that just... Wait, wait. Is this arguing that pickup artists <laughs> date them? Become terrorists? And
1: harass <laughs> <them>? <laughs> Go ahead. I want to hear the last And one. One. then there's the incels uh, who, oh. they, who are people who sometimes take the black pill which is a belief that women, according to this article at least, that women use their sexual power to dominate men socially now i've read a little bit about the black pill and i would say that that some of these characterizations uh in fact probably all of them a lot of these seem like mischaracterizations well i think the people in the group would say they don't feel what's your, what's your question. question i don't who is the black pill what is their stance like so my black my pill? limited understanding having watched a youtube video or two is that there is a couple of pills out there there's the, I know the guy, other pills. Right? Red pill, uh, except that uh, intersexual dynamics are not what you thought they were. That there's hypergamy and women choose uh, to, to date men of higher status, and that they that they divide the world into alpha and beta males, etc. Uh, blue pill, uh, love is real, romance, all that you know, kind of stuff. You found the one, and then black pill is dun, people dun dun dun, <laughs> and, and this is what I get. this is one or two YouTube videos. Face, race, and height are the the things that women want. Is one of the big things so part of the they black want, Pill is to they do say want that face they want face they want a face they
5: yeah. want faces. <laughs> face face is better
1: than no face, <laughs> <laughs> face <is better.
5: laughs>
1: got it crushing news and for then they the want to race born you. without faces <laughs> yes so uh the idea that sort of underpins this is
2: Which that is actually remarkable can i cut in so what the black pill people are saying face race and height matters more than fame or wealth what they're saying is there's no hope there's nothing you can do no matter do. how famous and how wealthy they get there's no hope well, are it's, they saying they can't get wealthy Well, it's not. It's not face. It's (laughs) not face. Sorry, I'm going to get this wrong. Face, race, height, fame, wealth or whatever, With the red pill says it's it's mostly fame and wealth, right? Well,
1: without total. So without totally understanding any of it and with understanding that some of the people who subscribe to these might say, no, not me. The difference of the red pill is they're saying, hey, I don't necessarily like the things that we are, but this is the case and I can adapt to it in order to get married if i want or be a yeah, pickup I can, now artist now that if I, I understand I the rules of the game i can play i can play it but i haven't understood the rules the, okay and then black pill says the game is completely rigged i was born into a body as a person that is incapable of finding love uh and a black pill for instance uh person with regard to entrepreneurship might say, to say that
5: you're
3: black That's pill me. business
1: i'm not black pill because business. i'm not actually black pill business because what I'm saying is anyone could be it and we won't know who. These black pills say, no, it's me. I can't. Mm. It's I, There's nothing I can I do. I feel it. like, the, I mean, certainly these are the extremes, but I feel like there
2: are clear cases where this isn't true. Where people of any race and any height are I'm
3: sure they have, incredibly well. I'm sure they have a uh, But are they putting it down to the
4: individual or are they putting it down to the
1: entire face, race, height, cross-section? I don't know. I don't know. And, and Justin, and, and do you know?
2: Do you know the answer to any of these questions? We didn't really research this yeah. well about the black pill.
1: Yeah, so it's it. You'd have
2: to. I have a question about this that's deeper. interesting. They're saying that incels are a new terrorist group. Yeah, so this is where the what article per- goes. Per- percentage? What percentage of incels have committed terrorist acts? And how does that compare to the percentage of Christians, yeah. Jews, anything? So like what is, it, what is an incel? I, I'd be surprised. It's an involuntary, involuntary celibate. Cell. They want to make love oh. to a woman. <laughs> Say it but together. Jinx. Say
5: it proud. <laughs> Women will not make
2: love to them. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So versus a vol cell, a V cell. <laughs> I don't
1: think those exist. The, no, there are V cells. <laughs> They're monks. There are V cells. <laughs> That's someone who could get laid, but moves to Tibet. So let me wrap Justin's point and then we can discuss. So there's they've applied this thing, it's a tool that from Google called Perspective that looks to produce a toxicity score based on the writings of these different groups. Hmm. Uh And they say that it's getting more toxic as the groups shift from MGTOWs, which are going their own way, kind of has like, hey, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm opting out to incels, which is, uh, according to this, more bitter, upset, and Mm. potentially violent. MGTOWs are V-cells. That's what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're V-cells. Discuss, Henry. I see that you have something to say. Uh, The uh, toxicity is funny. Yeah. Like, what's, what, what's at toxicity level 10? <laughs> toxicity level And what happens at toxicity level I don't, 10? I don't know. So I think that they are looking for words probably like kill, uh, gun, hate. Oh. You know what I mean? And so the the presupposition is that toxicity level 10 is a, they're going to shoot someone. They're like, tomorrow they're going to go to their school, their synagogue, and, and shoot somebody. Which is a pretty interesting, not that anyone would be convicted of this, but minority report situation where they can – Potentially predict based on your online activity if you're gonna commit a crime of some sort. Makes sense. Uh, how big was this article? I don't know, Justin. Could t- big. Yeah, I nice. Just thought it was
3: interesting
4: because of the author.
1: Because of the author? Yeah. Because she was a female, or because, because who? She was a woman. Interesting. I, I don't know. I've just never heard it described. The manosphere. 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 It's big, baby. There's dozens of us. Who around the world? (laughs) All right, let's go to Neuralink, unless you guys have anything else. I would just love to know the stats. I wish they had the stats of actual, like, this seems like a giggly topic to me. It is a giggly topic in the end, and I think it's partially because Ben's point of, like, you got to establish first that incels are actually more dangerous, rather than being like, hey, here's two shootings done by people who identify as incels. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Like how many many terrorist attacks are there? (laughs) Domestic terrorist attacks,
2: and... If you categorize them in a variety of ways, does incel come out on top? I'm not saying it
1: wouldn't. I let's, would be surprised. Well, I let's uh, let's forget that for a second, but let's give the devil his due. Henry and I both watched many years ago and it stuck with us. That's the one I can think of, yeah. Elliot Rogers, right? The guy who killed his, his roommates, who who uh, had that huge diatribe, talked about being started. the superior man, uh, and talked about how at like twenty years old women had not chosen to give him the love that he deserves. I remember his whole speech. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so You're good at that. Yeah. I mean, this. Here's, I Whoops. guess, do his laugh. <laughs> that's, that's the laugh. It's totally produced. So the question is, he says that the reason that he killed those people was because he was an incel. Yes. Yeah. Is that the reason that he killed? No, you know who, and because he know had who mental he, health issues. Well, you know who he wound up killing? Yeah, his roommates. His roommates. His male he roommates. He didn't actually go out and kill any of the men who were taking women. His roommates were like like just nerdy kids that he stabbed and not you know he didn't actually I don't think no, wind he up kill killing any, any women. women he didn't kill any women were they uh, V-cells? This, I don't know if his roommates were cells <laughs> of any kind uh, but it's it's interesting that because Elliot Rogers says oh my motivation is being an incel I don't actually take that at face value to be the case no, I would you, guess it was his mental health issues or, or the fact that his I mean he because part of the, one of the things that I've seen it was that ContraPoints person being like he talks about how nobody loves him he's like not ugly he's totally fine it's like dude if you showed up asked a handful of people on a date smiled a bit more didn't laugh like ha, 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 ha. Well, yeah he like but he might have he,
2: his his brain could be all sorts of sure I have no sure. Idea where
3: if he was on the spectrum i have no idea if he was a sociopath like well the point is that he videotaped himself saying these were the reasons that i need to kill people yeah, yeah. and then he mm-hmm. didn't do that and well, he did kill people. He, well, no, no. did he he not killed the people, the people he said. He, had
2: he said he was going to go kill
1: the women that, that denied his love. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then he killed his roommates instead. Yeah. So, so what, it, why it seems you... like his frustration might be misarticulated in some way. Which is to say, like, I'm 20 years old and I haven't had sex. Like, well, well, it's
2: just also the not club. the same. <laughs> my point is, <laughs> my point <laughs> is he's just neither, not dude. the same as uh, someone who's got average mental health but hasn't had sex yet because he's 20 and it hasn't happened. Like, those people far out. I think that... It's not the only contributing factor or the biggest contributing factor.
1: Do you think, and this comes back to our earlier conversation, that the despair, and I know you're not, you don't know him, but uh, of thinking, black pill, it's over. Uh, You know, the the first 20 years are indicative of my love life for the rest of my life is a major contributing factor or the fact that he discovered that? No, I think it could contribute
2: to suicide.
1: I think despair could contribute to killing yourself.
2: Mm -hmm. But I think as soon as you turn it into killing other people, something else is going on. Okay. Right.
4: Do you you disagree with his views? That what? This guy who killed his roommates?
1: Probably.
5: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sorry. Sorry, do you disagree (laughs) with his views? Is (laughs) that your question? Yeah. Oh, boy.
1: uh, What were you going to say? His victimhood. His victimhood. So I, it's been a while since I've watched him. I, yeah, was, yeah. Let's be careful here because we no one knows what his manifesto yeah, actually says. But yeah, yeah. I think we can just say we all probably disagree with it. My only guess when I look at someone and someone who is so deeply sad at age 20, someone who, despite having what a lot of people would consider advantages, is struggling, is to go, tell me about your dad <laughs> and tell me about your mom. Like, what happened that that is actually causing this? So it seems to me that... Incel is maybe the last thing someone screams when they do a shooting, but is not actually what's causing the problem. That's only— Didn't my... this happen with with ISIS, too? Didn't someone shout that they were in ISIS? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, n- yeah. <laughs>
2: no affiliation to ISIS at all. They just turned on a camera. Didn't someone say PewDiePie? He turned on camera yes. and said, "This is for PewDiePie." No, PewDiePie no, he said. Went, he, I think he said, wow. "Subscribe to wow. PewDiePie." No, on the live and stream. PewDiePie was like, "Okay, Jesus like what this is that? this has nothing to do with me or what I'm doing." Jesus. Like what people shout before they commit a horrible,
1: or even what they write down. Don't not. trust what they write down. I really think, and yeah, PewDiePie is not why that guy did that shooting. Yeah, so I, it's it is harrowing and fascinating to watch him, though. It's to give you a, at least a look at some kid twenty years old talking with such certainty about how he was denied what he deserved and the love that was his is just like mm. I I think that it's those been. might be words parroted from these incel forms but yeah. it's not where like the reason that he attached to them comes from somewhere else. Well you're to, to your point this
2: deserved concept is a generally an interesting thing. We know someone who she went in and asked for a raise and they said why should I give you like sure why justify it. Well I feel like I deserve it. Mm-hmm. Okay well do you want to tell me what you've contributed to the company? Why well, know my worth. Like I was just like <laughs> Get out! Can you share it? Get out! Like this isn't <laughs> how you get. We and had this uh, conversation the other day with somebody. No, and so and I think this deserve. I, I think actually everyone would be so much better off if they released the concept that they deserve anything except for maybe some basic human things. But in terms of money, dating this that it's not. It's not that you deserve it. It's that you go and you become somebody where it goes well for you. Where you go and you say, "I think she get a raise." They go, "Why?" You go, "I generated a million dollars for the company last year, and I make fifty grand, and now mm-hmm. I will leave." And I'll take the clients with me. You can have 200 grand, sir, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, like, it's You're on the board. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I think that anytime you think you deserve anything, love, money, this, that,
1: it's to your detriment. Well, I, I would add some uh, nuance and subtlety, which I think you'll agree with. You can deserve it broadly in the sense that you're a human being; you deserve to be. That's what I'm like, except for basic humans. But human you, stuff. but you do not deserve any one in particular's yes. love. You do like you might feel that as a person, like, look, I deserve to be happy. Well, I deserve to have of, an maybe. income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're perhaps worthy of like, with time and effort, I could, I could get these things. And I, I know that you mean that. Yeah, I just yeah. want to clarify for people like, oh, shit, you're right. I don't deserve happiness. Oh, <laughs> like, no, I don't no. deserve. I don't deserve to feel good. Like, you do deserve to feel good. You do deserve all of those things, but it doesn't. It's not to say that your boss owes you. It should tie to what your
2: actions are. Like to say to say I deserve happiness. Like I agree. Do you meditate? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are you taking courses on how to make new friends? Like Mm -hmm. I can show you studies on what makes Mm -hmm. people happy. It's loved ones. It's being uh, you know going out into the outdoors. Are you doing these things? Because those actions are the actions of someone who deserves happiness and will become happy Mm -hmm. unless you have a brain chemical imbalance. In which case,
4: then you go see a but that back to the original point. Is it possible for them to put those inputs in are they in the right environment to sure. have access to this sure, So
2: sorry let me rephrase this I think that to the extent anyone listening to this can release that concept of deserving it for no reason they will be better off yeah. this is not a philosoph. My, my this is much more like a prescription than philosophical take on the nature of humanity and what the word deserve means I'm just saying if you find yourself asking for a raise because you deserve it but you can't back it up with what you've produced or you think you deserve the love of women that you aren't getting but you aren't asking who does get the love of the women that I like and what are they doing is it because they are more interesting or they're better conversationalists or whatever uh just for your own life you're better off instead of being upset about it going and creating <laughs> the tangible results of the people that are getting the results you want that's my point on the business
4: <laughs> that's exactly my point on the business
2: yeah yeah but just... no one deserves successful business just because they want one right they would deserve it because they put enough work in yeah, yeah. and found a market put the that they could in. serve and were creating something of more value than the money they took in yes. then sure that's this kind of person like why does jeff bezos deserve 100 billion dollars it's because he created an e-commerce site that billions of people like yeah, you know what i'm right saying here. i know exactly um so yeah deserve is a funny word because it's it's more descriptive than it is uh like a
4: a card that you can give in in order to receive yeah. what you want just because like you want reality it reality is the best teacher like what you whatever you yeah. have is what you technically deserve based on your actions
2: and you can change your actions
1: yes and then you will get more yeah yeah and i think i just have to add this because i'm thinking someone who just had something horrible happen to them they go oh wow i deserve to be raped i deserve to be this i deserve to be you know something fill in the terrible blank uh well, i'm saying the opposite i'm saying no one deserves
4: you didn't deserve that that's on okay. brand with what I'm saying. Dang. You got didn't got deserve it. to be raped. I do feel safe with Charlie sweeping up behind yeah, us. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to, <laughs> to find. No, oh, yeah, ways I'm in saying you shouldn't. You should, you should never nuts, say that.
2: We deserve. got safety. Yeah. <laughs> when the
1: bad things happen, you didn't deserve them either. Cool. Elon Musk's Neuralink. You guys heard of this a while back, right? Have not. Go. Really? You haven't heard of this? Oh, it's cool. He, the biggest problem that Elon Musk has identified was he said, Look around this room. How many bits of information are you taking in? It's incredible. You know what I mean? Like, here's a panoramic view with sound, touch, ta- like, and I have to focus on any particular. Okay. Now, type a text message. I want to say one sentence, <laughs> and it takes me 15 seconds to do so. So there's an issue with what our brains are capable of taking as an input and what we're capable of outputting. Like, I have this idea formula- f- fully formulated in my head, but it takes me time to get it to you. So his thought is, okay, AI is coming. It's going to own the world. It's the biggest threat to humanity that he believes. Uh, We need a fighting chance. So we got to get that input-output a little bit more balanced, at least at the speed of thought. So if you think of like humans think this fast, but we can only speak this fast and AI is up here, at least let's get our communication to the speed of thought. So he gets up with this Neuralink idea, which is I'm going to implant this thing into your head, which is basically an internal computer inserted through the jugular with this tiny little wire. Apparently, now that they're doing Matrix. it, which is the sign Sounds of terrifying. <laughs> according to Justin's uh, research is the width of a piece of hair uh, to wirelessly. <laughs> I mean, dude, this guy is insane. <clears throat> this was a side project like a year and a half ago. Uh to do, they're developed threads 10 times thinner than, oh, sorry, 10 times thinner than human hair, which can be implanted inside the brain to wirelessly monitor neuron activity. A surgical robot, also made by Neuralink, is put in charge of implanting the microscopic <laughs> threads into brain matter. Uh, and it can reestablish connections where neural cabling has died, let people with brain injuries recover from physical capabilities that have been lost as a result of stroke, for example. And I think it's very much still in the figuring it out phase, but like, i'm in mean, if you're in boys this dude's insane would <laughs> it you do it gives me anxiety to no. you think about you, i'm not gonna be one of the not first before it's tested
4: yeah not before it's tested. what's crazy even, is sorry go ahead i was gonna say that just that as technology advances and you're stuck with old
1: technology yeah you got the iphone one in your yeah.
4: brain <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly iphone three with the slide to unlock
1: or oh, beyond that dude say you say you stay <laughs> so, analog you? human you don't go fully this you think you can compete now I think one of those inputs to business success as soon as this stuff comes out becomes having a Neuralink. If you don't have Neuralink, you're done. For downloaded. finances, I agree. But if
4: if your goal is... For anything. Fulfillment and happiness, I would take a What second. if I download you might be right. fulfillment? You
1: might be right. you got to define I, your goal. You <laughs> download, so film, download. <laughs> <laughs> download fulfillment, please. Well, that's <laughs> <Open zip file. laughs> well, let's presume that you're right. What you could have is huh. like two tiers of humans, one who is this approaching god level like is capable of communicating at the speed of thought uh recovering movement with limbs etc you come cells in a giant organism yeah and and that's one tier of humans that are doing everything that's worth noting and then you have this other tier who like chops wood <laughs> and yeah. like no uh, man I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go one further the greatest the greatest minds
2: in the zen community will meditate for weeks so that's they can get saying, 10 dude. minutes of mental stillness yeah Bro, I just got an off switch in my Neuralink. You want me to have no thoughts? <laughs> I'm literally incapable of having thoughts right now. Yeah, I've hit Zen.
5: Because
1: mm-hmm. weirdly enough, to your point, and I know it's going to be rudimentary, everything that people do is an attempt to change what happens here. And, yeah. of course, it's a, it's a cycle, right? What happens here is causing us to do, and it's all deterministic. Forget that. But what you're saying is, like, i'm just Let's gonna see. i'm gonna do 20 years of meditation now <laughs> like, the goal of the meditation
2: is to learn to turn my brain off yeah, right yeah. well my brain has an off switch now it's just run by robots it might so be hyper simplified i go I see what you're saying yeah, i'm gonna have i'll take just the part of my brain that operates without thought keeps my heart beating <laughs> but all the thought stuff turn off for an hour <laughs> and i'll have more zen than any meditation person has ever had yeah any thoughts before we do questions now, I saw something cool, though, for those of our listeners who are I paralyzed. A Henry has a question. People are using stem cells to um, repair nerves that are broken between their brain and their spine. That's And cool. they can walk again That's super after cool. being paralyzed. Pretty wild.
1: Yeah. So That's what this reminds me of. Just I, I don't want to get stuck on this. It is sad that we uh, have not a lot of research into stem cells in the United States as compared to other countries. But I'm it's glad allowed. somebody's doing it. Not allowed. You're not allowed to take like placenta stem cells or something like that. It's I yeah.
4: I saw a bottle on your desk downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> weird. Those, those guys, you man, didn't man. See that too? Illegally, oh, sorry, harvested. Weird. Illegally <laughs> harvested. Illegally harvested. Illegally <laughs> harvested. What are those placentas on your desk?
2: How did you get those? It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> so L. A. Yeah. Everyone. ever To be clear, anyone who doesn't live in L. A. Everyone in L. A. Has just vats of illegal stem cells sitting around their apartments. Yep. For whatever rub it on your face for moisturizer. <laughs> that eat blood
3: it. mask they used
2: to put on Dude, those are scary vampire facials. Yeah, yeah, They freak me out. Good those are real. Be. They're uh they take PRP like what how you you fix a knee? You pull out your blood, spin it around so you get extra platelet rich blood and then inject it back into your knee. They do it for facials and they just cut your face a bunch of times with li- little wow. cuts.
3: This is what they did they... for a UFC fighter, right? No, the Kardashians do it. The vampire facial. Yeah, but not for his face. He like did the he spun his blood uh the little guy yeah, yeah, yeah. oh the prp yeah that's yeah. so how
2: kobe fixed his knee he went no, to germany because it was illegal DG yeah.
3: DG. yeah yeah oh that's different that's blood
2: doping that's not for placenta or um that's not for platelets we, we took for, it out spun it and put in day plasma. of flight plasma a day of fight so he could just yeah be, yeah that's to get more red blood cells per liter of
1: blood yep so you have more stuff carrying oxygen actually that's what
2: lance armstrong was doing right and
1: then yeah so let's do you had a question or do you want to go to fan questions how do moon get there
5: <laughs> <laughs> go
1: ahead answer <laughs> Wait, can I ask? Uh, I have a curiosity Yeah, that I'd like to ask both you
4: boys and Hank. Um, mostly Charlie and Hank, though, right? Mostly Hank. Cool. I um, should pull this a little closer. <laughs> i waiting so, the question. So I feel like as this technology, this Neuralink thing evolves, for, for myself, I'm like, I want to get very clear on what my goal is because there may be a more efficient way to get there or it may be counterintuitive, and I just want to be able to measure the metrics towards my goal. My question to you though is my goal is based on very arbitrary things at the moment you know it's based around my current thoughts and understanding of the and world values yeah. so I'm, I'm how do you factor in technological growth and how do you factor in like variables that you don't understand that may just like if my goal is fulfillment but if I change something I don't care about fulfillment I can feel, fulfill that second goal very clearly how does mm-hmm. that how do you factor that in yeah well this is a a real problem for people right because they'll they'll have
2: a goal to be fulfilled or to be happy but they'll pursue something like a lot of money or a lot of fame whatever it is and they they truly think they're going in the right direction they Mm -hmm. get there and they go oh my god i have sprinted for 10 years in the wrong direction and i achieved my goal but it didn't achieve my real goal which was to love myself be happy have connection have you ever had that
3: happen in? in your life Trump.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for it to my desperate desire for a, um, like a life partner at one point led me to, to go deep into a relationship with kind of blinders on where there'd be evidence. No, no, this is a great life partner. I wish it <laughs> went as well as me and Charlie. I mean, no, this was, this was I, an ex. And I, and I just wanted it so badly that when red flags would come up, I go, nah, definitely not, because this is the most important. At one point pre psychedelics, the most important thing in the world to me was a female life partner to grow old with. Right. And I thought without that, Absolutely no way to be happy, Mm. and maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But that belief led me to sprint towards deep relationships and ignore a lot of signs that hey, maybe you guys should break up. You should try again. Even if your goal is to have this life partner, maybe not with this person. Mm. Yeah. So that definitely screwed me up. What about you? What was the question?
3: I don't remember. Where have you? Where have you gone wrong here? Fame, I think, for you, right? Yeah. uh, Instead of talking the abstract, it's like sometimes i'm more interested well you you in used to personal. want to know you used to what want to be the famous what,
2: what no, did, what did i pursue that feel. wasn't worth
3: it you had a you had a life you had a worldview
2: to benji's point a goal. Mm-hmm. your ultimate goal is to be happy and fulfilled and maybe to seek truth but you had a worldview that you said oh to get to there i'm gonna do blank right mm-hmm. and then you pursued it and you went oh this was a
1: mistake <laughs> yeah well um, so as i do more psychedelics and spiritual stuff i do see it all as like We've talked about this, and this relationship is like, that's a path you had to take in order sure, to get sure, back sure. on the right path. No, I think Henry's um, just saying, can people learn from our dreams? From if someone else What's could your... learn from me, yes. Okay, so I had to learn this. You had to learn it yourself. By good, but doing doing it the you hard can way. teach it to other people. Someone else so you can, can change, it. You can change <laughs> yeah. their world view. got it. You can change their worldview, so You guys don't... know this? Yeah, fame for sure yeah. is the dumbest thing. And it wasn't even a major, major pursuit of mine, it was like a secondary pursuit. It was views, right? It was a no, no. You. I wanted a blue tick. I wanted a blue tick. I wanted uh, uh, playing music in Madison Square Garden and things of that. Yeah, yeah. And playing music is wonderful, but uh, playing music in Madison Square Garden becomes a problem. Yes. Like I think uh, my fantasy wasn't to feel music flowing through me and expressing myself on the guitar. It was to be on a stage mm-hmm. at Madison Square Garden, receiving adulation. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, that's my name.
1: He's not even playing. That's <laughs> my name. <laughs> and uh, it's you know, it's slightly that now. It's to, there's still still ways in which that occurs. But yeah, I've I've been largely disabused of yeah. the belief that Tim Ferriss just wrote an article which summarizes it even better than I can because I haven't lived the worst things. But he talks about. Uh, Stalking. He talks about death threats. Death threats. He talks about uh, cries for help that you can't possibly satisfy from people who are on the brink of suicide. Yeah, attempted kidnappings. Uh, not knowing why people are in your life. Having all of these quasi connections reach out all of a sudden. And you find out a month after you've started to build a connection that they just wanted to, to butter you up for an ask yeah. of theirs. And the upsides of fame are, are zero as, and my, my level of fame is yeah. zero it's totally zero so my, um, my lesson was to, to pursue someone else completing
2: you is hollow yours is to pursue fame is hollow what do you guys got? fame is
1: awesome
3: <laughs> <laughs> be honest dude, dude we'll be, Charlie's we'll brother <laughs>
1: <stage>. <laughs> me and you yeah <laughs> I'm not famous by the way that's the other thing is I only have a well, that's, with, that's the F, problem you with, have an ecosystem level of fame. the problem
4: with fame is you are famous but there is no level of famous where you qualify as famous It's such a fickle.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. People stop
4: you
2: in the street. There's nothing to to stand on. To someone who has never done anything public, there's not a a line. But Justin
1: Bieber's famous. Yeah, yeah, my mom is not. So there's somewhere in between where like somebody. Not when she walks into her school. (laughs) (laughs) She's very famous. Yeah, (laughs) everyone knows her. (laughs) That's the power of community. Charlie Hooper's mom. Yeah, she actually called me. She told me that one of her kids saw a picture of me and her in our office and got really excited yeah <laughs> my sister dad. that my sister that's the coolest that. part of fame honestly yeah, yeah. is my mom being proud of me like, yeah. that's that's, <laughs> well, that's, that's literally the only part that is there's no and, easier way to get there and i think i should clarify because <laughs> people listening might think oh you don't care about ha-, like helping people and fame aren't the same thing not even close uh yeah, connecting a massive reach to help a lot of people yeah is great yes
2: that coming back great. on you come back in, coming back on you in some sort
1: of way that's supposed yes. to benefit you because people recognize you that's where it's like if i were faceless i could enjoy helping people just as much yeah. but i would have no fame yeah. and like that the help is the part that is fulfilling but anyway you tell it, me why go ahead so sorry Justin. do we have fan questions
4: this week charlie yeah. so huh? you're saying the significance of fame is not mm-hmm.
1: sustainable or fulfilling but the
4: contribution is and the help is no I think, I think i is one more fulfilling than the other uh
1: the the rare chance to get outside of your own wants and needs is is amazing and i i'm i'm not there yet but i see it remember when you were a kid and they always told you it's better to give than to receive yeah and i was like that's just a trap <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get me to buy people because I, <laughs> I was so like i definitely like opening presents more than i like packaging them <laughs> <laughs> Let <me be> clear. <laughs> like uh what i have started to see is growing up is the moments where you're not concerned with what you have or don't have and are instead concerned genuinely, not like – and how it reflects upon you with the success of someone else and the happiness of someone else is a very freeing moment from your own mm-hmm. egocentric existence. Um, and so in that sense, helping people, the moment where you realize it or do it and you get out of yourself and you're in flow, not worried about what you need mm-hmm. is is really nice nice or can be. But it's, it's – so It's
4: literally just the feeling you get.
1: I also think the process of not worrying about yourself because you are concerned with other things is nice. That's cool. um, and that's why I'm, I'm not there, but I hear people who are more enlightened than I talking about service as the ultimate thing. And mm. I think that that can easily be conflated with impact, which is what the egocentric mm. person says. I want to make a big impact. That's not service like and sometimes they even well especially when you ask what Im- well, I want to make a big impact what's the impact to you billion. a billion views a billion <laughs> sorry is that, is
2: that a billion people whose lives are better because you said billion views which doesn't have anything to do with them and is a very you centric yeah. measurement
1: uh, so and again which, which every, every individual needs to look inside themselves and ask ultimately what do I hope to get out of my impact slash service but to lose yourself in service is I think what people try to do yep. in, in a way that is ultimately fulfilling can I steal this back from you, Justin? So this is audience question. Audience Yay. questions. Shoot they they at square. Anything for me? <laughs> <laughs> this one's to Henry. Uh, recently I found myself interested in understanding personality types and wanted to ask whether either of you've put any thought into it. Myers-Briggs, for example, has recently come to be seen as a bit of a joke because of how it's been incorrectly used on certain parts of the internet. But I've definitely seen value in understanding dominant functions in myself and those really close to me. I know you're going to have an opinion on this one, Benji. Uh, seeing this has also made me consider potential crossover for charming people and being more charismatic by first identifying their dominant functions and tailoring your interactions to best connect with them. Have either of you ever considered different approaches for different people's preferred ways of thinking or personality types? So that's a
2: big question. I have a charisma one, which is just a small clarification I want to make. People often confuse introvert with not charming. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge miss, right? So I'm an extrovert, you're an introvert. But someone could take these personality tests and they could discover they're an introvert, which literally just talks about how you're energized, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then they could go, oh, I'm an introvert. I'm screwed. I'll always struggle to make friends. I'll always struggle to be attractive. And it's nothing I can fix because it's this permanent personality trait, right? Which I don't even know if I agree with that because I think introvert, extrovert is a spectrum that can be changed. But let's pretend it's fixed. I still think that that's not what this is saying. It's literally just saying that in the middle of being incredibly charming and making great friends and having everyone, you know, want to date you, you need to go find time to recharge alone. That's all introvert means. So I think... These things can be dangerous if people read too much into them. That would be my first thing. Sure, use it if it's advantageous to you to get to know yourself. But to the extent you think a personality test tells you things about yourself that you can't be successful at, that limit you, throw it out. Because I don't think that that's what these are meant to be doing at all. Sure.
1: You use disc right yeah I love disc you you told me I was high D the other, the very other day very high D huge D <laughs> big D job
4: huge D That's what we man yeah what so, does the D stand for uh, it's like decision or it's decisive. almost decision making yeah. uh, it doesn't really I don't know if it stands for something specific I'll look
1: it up so, uh, I'll I'll give my brief answer. But unless you have a, a strong reaction to this, because I know that you often talk I honestly, like this. thought the questions for you guys. Well, well, you you think about this more than I do. What is the exact? The, the, well, there's a lot of questions. Okay, I'll give you my thoughts. Uh, one: Should you tailor? Is there any sort of structure that I use to tailor my interactions towards people? Uh, occasionally, I use Tony Robbins' stuff. When I'm trying to be persuasive with someone, I'll note if they're a matcher or a mismatcher. So if you're trying to be persuasive and someone just disagrees, 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 you can double bind them, right? And you can go, you're right to be <laughs> skeptical, or you know, you, you can recognize those sorts of things. So the- <laughs> that's the best. You're right, you are right to be skeptical. I'm not be- skeptical. <laughs>
5: yeah. Excellent. Now,
1: now we may proceed. Yes. <laughs> that one's awesome. So, so Tony's stuff is actually, it's not particular to people. It just talks about the six human needs common to all people. But... I don't, in my interactions, think, "Oh, this someone is an INFJ, therefore I ought to be different." Maybe I might benefit from it, but it's not how I—that's at least consciously—am mm-hmm. thinking. I do, on occasion, notice that someone is going to be quiet in a group, so I might ask them a question, but that's not—that's not something that I uh, change my behavior based on.
4: I would also say it's very—it's very fickle. Like, if you're interacting with someone for an afternoon Mm -hmm. and you're trying to tailor your actions around them you're not working on yourself Yeah, like I feel like you better have to understand what type you are Mm. and what you're going to lean towards and what you're going to most likely forget like I'm also high D big D dominance (laughs) D is dominance I think it's like a bird's eye view I'm very terrible with the details Mm-hmm. like I, just, I don't read I don't proofread it's all terrible mm-hmm. and it's I think for me it's good for me to have learned that and then hire someone who is very high C which is very detail oriented and work together and I'd say in social situations yeah. you probably want to know where are your weaknesses and where are your strengths and then just know that you're just an archetype like yeah. there's many people like you and you're going to make these mistakes know them ahead of time
2: hmm I, what do I do if I'm just really high in all of
5: them? <laughs> just yeah, an expert. just 100% in all of them. Be. What does that mean?
4: You're very high. I, for sure. Ascended. Ascended. Influence? Influence, and it's like, um, Thanks, man. It's like social, like working in a team, working together.
1: So, like nice. the area where I think this is, I, I think in my social life, I almost completely threw these out. I had the same thought that these were jokes, but where I've been like begrudgingly come around to them is when it comes to hiring. Yeah. The, I, I, I don't like these tests at all, except then you're hiring someone you go oh my god i was gonna hire myself
5: <laughs> like, like we're
1: the same i actually need someone who's different and is not and 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 who i might not immediately click with so in those sense the disc test for instance is is very useful yeah, for trying to find the right person when you're
2: making friends you
1: it's oftentimes people like people that are similar to them but when
2: you're building a team for anything if you are all the same then you're all gonna have the same weaknesses mm. what about
1: a relationship or it's uh, a good question Barnard, you guys are experts i'm not I've actually, I wonder if there would be any sort of data on types that work and yeah. not work well. I hate the word work well. Like make one they're another they're
2: happy. So yeah. Though the one thing that I have heard, <laughs> so you... which I don't know if this is true. I actually Capricorn. don't know. If... That's the LA type that you want to know about. What are you know talking
3: about? about. <laughs> We're talking about Myers-Briggs. Gemini. I'm a Capricorn. I'm a, I'm a Leo <laughs> yes.
2: baby. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know That's if so it's cool. true or not, but there are people who purport that the the key to having a happy relationship is to be equally distant from the middle of the masculine feminine spectrum which is to say if you are and it says nothing to do with gender but this is just the traits they make up for masculine and feminine which is if you're fairly in the middle you will be happiest with someone who's fairly in the middle because you're going to feel like someone who's too far to one side is too much of something and conversely if you are hard on one side you're very masculine or very feminine this theory would purport that someone who's really equally distant on the other side is going to make you happy which i don't know because that's not how my dating has been in the past i feel like but maybe that's why it
3: doesn't work <laughs> <you> saying <laughs> the entire time i was just thinking of ryan gossi going you or is it tom cruise
1: yeah. complete you <laughs> <please. Yes>. yeah <laughs> no
3: that's Someone the thing i have course. no idea if
2: it's
4: just to be clear i have no idea if it's accurate or not
2: but I that's would, that's
3: a theory like, i've
4: heard uh love languages i think are very important also and on the dating apps are incredibly t- important. My love food. language is gifts. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: gifts and gifts. I gifts like and I get, love, love
2: gifts. gifts. I like, I
5: like receiving <laughs> gifts.
2: No, and the love languages is, is good. I think the biggest thing is people try to understand their partner's love languages as an attempt to try to Persuade. give those. Mm. And I think the best thing you can do if you're going to use the love languages is figure out how do I naturally give love? And then find someone who interprets that as receiving love. Does that make sense? So, Like, I'm very touchy. Rather than finding someone, oh, this person's gifts, I'm going to set a phone reminder every month to get this person a gift. That is so inorganic. The best thing I can do, I think, is go, listen, the way I express love is compliments and touch. Mm. So I should find someone who, when they get compliments and touch, feels loved. And then I will effortlessly make that person feel loved you know what i mean so that i like the love languages a lot but that's how i think you should use them whereas Mm -hmm. before i was in a mismatch i was like cool you like quality time i hate quality time (laughs) but i'm gonna force myself to do some so you'll be happy Mm -hmm. it's like well now i don't want to do this and she didn't like touch and i love touch so cool okay push yourself out of your comfort zone to scratch my head a little bit more because it makes me feel loved no this is terrible you
4: should just find someone that likes to give quality time and i should find someone who likes to give touch have you met a girl who you're attracted to whose love language is not quality time or what you purport your love languages are? I don't know, because I've kind of moved
2: away from that model, honestly. I actually feel like mm-hmm. it happens unspokenly if you're if you're finding the right uh, person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean actually someone I'm seeing now, her thing is definitely not quality. Is time. it? Yeah, for sure. Because mm-hmm. she says she gets she feels smothered when people Try to
3: see her too much. I got is that because you're laying on top of her,
5: or
2: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: your lats? is <laughs> she does. She does say that I'm a bit too heavy. Your for dog that. is just licking her yeah. ears. To see <laughs> <laughs> cool. Next question from anonymous. Hi Charlie and Ben, I'm 19 years of age from Ireland. I've been a huge follower of the channel for three it years. yourself exactly. Yeah, we ask I'm him to. We ask him to. Yeah, I'm David. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Social security number is. Sorry, go ahead. All right, so I've been a huge follower of the channel for three years. I'm particularly interested in the topics of self development, self worth, self love, codependent relationships. I've been with a girl who is part of my friend group in college for the past two months. We've kissed multiple times, had sex once. First time we kissed was on the night. We first met one another at the bar. There may be a chance of a relationship as, the, as at the moment, we are not strictly exclusive, but not necessarily seeing other people. So don't know, it sounds like. She has said that she ended a two-year relationship during the summer, which was very difficult for her. and she said to me, if she was going to get into a relationship, she didn't want to make the same mistake. I don't know what what was the cause of her previous relationship failing, falling apart. So he doesn't know what that mistake was. Okay. I have not been in a relationship before. Here's the issue. I'm quite self-aware and I'm recognizing compulsive and addictive feelings towards her. Good for you. That is good for you. I keep these in check. Yeah, good luck. Good. (laughs) (laughs) However, I'm aware that if I get into the relationship, I may become codependent based on how I feel about her now. I also understand there's a good chance the relationship won't last forever due to its addictive nature may cause me a great deal of pain. My current approach is to continue into the relationship Enjoy the time we spend together and accept the pain which I may experience at the end. The Altman. And perhaps yeah, yeah, yeah. call that the alt growth. What do you think of my approach? Do you think this matters at, at my age and should I just play it day by day? Any feedback would be great. That's the Altman. <laughs> That's the Altman, baby. Just enjoy it while
2: it lasts and then take the pain. Uh, I think the only thing I would say is when... I mean, that's just would be natural for me when someone said, I just got to have a two year relationship and I don't want to make the same mistake twice. I would just go, what mistake? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I would say, don't force that. But if it comes up again or she says it, I would definitely figure that out um, personally because I just would be curious. But especially if you're considering dating her. Mm. Yeah, there's I wouldn't cut ties just because you're afraid that you're going to get hurt. I would definitely not do that.
1: Yeah. yeah cause he, so I don't know if this is exactly what they were saying, but in the book that I was reading last night, it's got a mantra that is, they say is a healing mantra. And it's there's no way out of pain, which is weirdly enough. Say it a bunch of times. There's no way out of pain. And you just relax. (laughs) (laughs) And you go, oh my God. It's like what you're trying to do is do this right so it doesn't hurt. It's like, guess what? You're 19. You've never been in a relationship. You're going to hurt. It will hurt. It's going to hurt no
3: matter what you do. I mean, for the record, it'll also be awesome at times and bad at times. Let's give our bro some uh,
1: practical advice on where he goes from here. Oh, so take a deep breath, man. Uh, buckle up, rec- and you're totally cool. <laughs> this is so, it is. so I used to you think that, that a 19-year-old could have relationships taught to him verbally, and what I recognize now is that he can't.
3: I'm going to give you the advice. Stuff.
1: You've got the right mentality. The best thing that you're doing that not everybody does, and the only thing that you can potentially mess up is the degree of self-awareness. Uh, I don't want to conflate self-awareness with self-criticism, but just to go, oh, wow. I'm becoming super addicted to this and I recognize it like great (laughs) you know and give her a call and of course you're 19 it's your first relationship this person is gonna mean the world to you in about three days you know like that that is going to happen and trying to avoid what other young people do I think is quite frankly impossible you have like it's good to be young while you're young it'd be worse to be doing this when you were 39 years old you know so why uh, well, one because you're not hopefully dating a nineteen-year-old at that oh, point. Okay. <laughs> that math it was out. at that same level. Disagree. <laughs> uh, and it's not—it's not like you're a bad person at that point, but it would just be nice to have started that journey a little bit earlier and and to have gone through the early stumbles that you're inevitably gonna do. If so anonymous
4: that, Irish man was nineteen from Dublin, David, boy, uh, maybe his name is David. If he is Charlie Hooper, like, if that is you back then, and you
1: could deliver one piece of advice. So I'm obsessed with, I know her name. I have have a piece of advice. Say it.
3: Yeah, good. I'm
1: obsessed with her. I'm totally crazy about her. She's
3: dated someone else you guys have hooked up once or twice. Yeah.
1: It's a little bit different, because in this situation, you've had sex with her, which would be not shocking for (laughs) 19-year-old
4: Charlie. I
1: I would say, at that point in my life, you can get into a relationship, but, but... And this is contrary to what I often say on the podcast at 19, focus on self-development in the sense that like learn the guitar, uh, take a study abroad trip, learn to paint because you didn't know how. Take a salsa dancing lesson like invest in what is uh, the the normal self-development stuff. Go to the gym, all that kind of stuff. That's the best thing to be doing 19 to whatever, 30 or I don't know. What do you think?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think it's great advice. Uh, The one thing I would say, which is going to be, I think it's hard to implement, but it would be my number one piece of advice is as as important as this seems, I want you to know that in 10 years, you will laugh about how important you think it is. And so when you do find yourself incredibly despondent or obsessed or whatever, to the extent you can just take a break and go, I recognize that this is because of where I'm at in life and that when I'm 29, this is going to be hilarious because it won't have mattered at all. I think that'll be really helpful because I know some of my unhappiness in college came from thinking that certain relationships really mattered and then they wouldn't last more than a couple of months mm-hmm. and i would go oh my god this is the end of the world for me that was my one shot at marriage i'm doomed and if i could have just give myself the mindset of this is totally fine you're gonna be a-okay mm. you're gonna feel like this or stronger about someone else within a year uh that would have served me the best it's just going this isn't the end of the world take
1: a deep breath try to just enjoy it for what it is yeah mm-hmm. Well, what's weird is that that's that's every stage of life, right? Like, there's I think of it as high school, where you're in high school and that's it's so right. important mm-hmm. to be liked and popular and get the girlfriend, and whether or not you were picked. And then you go to college, and instantly you have this perspective on high school, which is like, what a joke that was! Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. college <laughs> is what's important, frats and drinking. And then you leave college, you're like, those stupid frat handshakes that I thought I needed to get into the right one, and it just at every level you look back and go, what a fool I was, mm-hmm. not recognizing. <laughs> that you're currently yeah, yeah, yeah. that you're currently there. So uh, yeah, that's wisdom is is recognizing that where you are today is in high school still, thinking that your stuff is important. So good luck if you're that wise at 19, you're the man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think, yeah, that's that's a powerful thing. That's one it's of the wh- best things that <laughs> psychedelics <laughs> give me sometimes. I go in thinking about a problem. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna take this ayahuasca and it's gonna fix this problem. And I take the ayahuasca and the immediate recognition is this is a stupid problem. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I like, like that. Yeah, I just—I literally will just lay down and laugh. I'll just yeah. burst out laughing because I don't have a solution for the problem. Yeah, but it's so inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Oh, this business thing, this relationship, its like too much bicep
1: muscle.
5: Relax. Yeah, muscle. yeah. you'll be driving.
1: fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck, Anonymous. I feel like you. Oh, Anonymous! Anonymous asked yeah, it's two incredibly questions. Incredibly self-aware. Yeah, I like it. Two questions from Anonymous Ooh. this week. <laughs> Top 5%. No, you're doing <laughs> Top great. Fiver. Top fiver. You're doing great, Anonymous. Like. You're killing it. You know to avoid a codependent
2: relationship, I was sprinting towards one. I wanted one so bad. You're going to be addicted to me? I'll never be able to leave?
1: And I'll suffer greatly for it? Perfect. Sick. (laughs) Uh, So in in a previous episode, Charlie mentioned a tolerance threshold for living frugally or uncomfortably. How do I know what my threshold is? For some reason, I've always thought that there might be some kind of appeal to living on a tight budget. But that being said, I've never really struggled much or had anything go wrong in my life. So I don't know anything about it or much about it. I'd love to discuss with Charlie and Ben about how they determined that they were ready to quit their jobs and start a business. Just to clarify, I'm a first-year university student. I've never worked for a salary. So this, this guy is wondering, I think, if he can suck it up, bootstrap, live on the floor, etc. And he wants to know what his threshold is. at. Well, two answers. One, you won't know until you're there. So I didn't know that I wasn't going to struggle until I was really not that worried about were it. Were
2: you scared about it, though, going into it? No. Uh, so
1: that's indicative. Yeah, I really was just uh, – and and two, which I think might be – I said you have to sleep on the floor. You said sick. I get to live in New York.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, it wasn't, a, oh, how am I going to survive on a four-inch cot? It just wasn't your makeup.
1: Yeah, and I also wasn't very – even I guess <laughs> the first whatever 20 years of my life, I was not into stuff in the same mm-hmm. way. Like I liked video games, but like I didn't like – nice clothes or nice spaces or nice i didn't like nice anything <laughs> i liked my dirty room uh so it was very easy to me to go sleep in a dirty corner yeah that what about was, you Benjamin? was really downgrade you have an incredible story
2: do you want to give the quick highlights of the brazil setup or you want me to yeah up?
4: i like this question because we i think we are all very different well yeah, yeah that's
2: why i kick it the that's why i kick it to you i i don't have a good answer for this <laughs> you do you have a great one
4: uh, think, you're, you, you offer you're, a really good perspective yeah crazy different totally different yeah totally well, four different four of us are all on different sides of spectrum so i don't think there's a concrete recipe sure everyone's different um, for me I was on one side of the spectrum that involved uh, having about two thousand Australian dollars in my bank account moving to Brazil paying about thousand bucks for a flight and then um, having to buy a bed which is like another thousand bucks or something and
1: like, they're so expensive in, in Brazil. Brazil for anybody who's going oh jealous. you got a nice bed no you didn't no no, it was <laughs> like, terrible. no, you didn't there was no Craigslist and you had to like get, no Amazon yeah, go, no straight, Amazon, to go straight to a store, store pick the crappiest twin sized bed mm-hmm. and thousand dollars well you didn't have to because Benji only had a thousand dollars so he not do that and then
4: 500 of uh, rent was due in, in a month 30 days so yeah, I, we had security deposit I went the extreme route of just being like just put yourself in the environment and you'll adapt to it and you'll mm-hmm. grow and you'll find a way um, or you won't and I'll be
1: back in college having a good time
4: (laughs) either way either way is a win-win i guess is an important takeaway i didn't have anything to lose
1: and important to recognize that which i think isn't true for everyone but i understand we're on a podcast like we had no kids an understanding that our family was going to make sure that we did not starve to death or Mm -hmm. sleep outside Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and with an understanding that there was no outside there was no starving to death there were some you guys were 19 we were 25 yeah 21 oh you were 21
3: older yeah 21 we were 25
1: but we, yeah, that the worst case scenario for you and I, and it was very clear, was like not that bad. It yeah. was still food, still shelter, yeah. uh, embarrassment, but it wasn't catastrophic in our minds. It wasn't starve to death or yeah. have a child that you can't support. That I couldn't right. support. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so. that's, it's important. It yeah. was
4: win, a win-win. Either I'm in yeah. college doing, having a good time or in Brazil making business. to get by, you slept on a plank of wood a box instead spring. of buying a mattress. I slept, I slept on a box spring because I remember we went to this one-bed store. And it, everything was like a thousand bucks, and you guys like, yeah, well, we get like just six of those, one for everyone. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, maybe I'll shop around a little more. I remember taking a bus? I spoke no Portuguese along like the beach to this really like I Google mapped like a cheaper bed store, and the only thing in there for like it was like still four hundred bucks or something crazy, was the box spring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's wood. It's like really solid, and I'm like, okay, box spring. Went to the two dollar store, bought like a ten dollar doona. Just box ring, lay the dooner on top, had a pillow. My mom made me a quilt. That's where I, that's <laughs> there where I curled up. That was your bed for a year, right? Like, okay, now
1: I have to pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> Should have just um, slept on the floor, man. <laughs> like yeah, like blankets and a floor. floor was as just as <laughs> yeah, totally. okay,
2: So, so now, same question to you. Mm. Did you at some point work on that in a stoic way? Because I think some people read stoic philosophy. It was very popular at one point, And they say, oh, I have to work on practicing poverty. I'm going to sleep on the floor to prove to myself. Or did you just live your life and then you showed up in Brazil and you went, okay, I'll sleep on a box. Yeah, the second one. Yeah, I that's think... what I figured. I I think for both of you, it just seems like you were comfortable with poverty. You never worked
1: on. No, there was no effort that went into it.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing that uh, I'm sort of... Understanding
1: this, and day. we got to be fair, this isn't poverty. Like, I, I get like it was relative poverty for our lives, but sure, sure. Was, I'll give some, but I'll give some sure. context. We were in a, you,
4: you had
3: level five apartment building, well, yeah. You we had wealth the ground, 20 both grand the ground
2: in the, the bank, 12 grand. In the, what did you 14? You 14, had 14 grand in the bank, 13 or 14, and yeah. you owed $90,000. Oh, well, probably, yeah, 90 to 100,000. 100,000, dollars. you had a, a net worth of $80,000, something, and like Benji had after buying your box spring 500, $500 in yeah. the bank account Australian. and rent was due in a month which is not a good exchange rate and it was $500 mm-hmm. right? and no, so and that's, no income those yeah. are the exact no fi- I just wanna sure we won't call it poverty those are the exact financial decisions we're talking about $500 mm-hmm. in the bank $500 rent due in 30 days no job and no income mm-hmm. right and what you did was you started working for Google right you started, I they, did and they it's would, not as sexy as Google, as it, no 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 yeah sorry <laughs> okay.
4: they would go oh, ahead more. for Google image So for we, Google image results search uh, and they paid $20 an hour um, and basically I just assessed image results to see if they're accurate. Is this a cat? Is this a ca- cat? Yes or no, uh, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> but then what I did is I borrowed your boys' computers and yep. got two more Google jobs. So was Sixty dollars an hour. hour Sixty dollars an hour. Bus, <laughs> dog. Cat cat. cat, Bus bus bus. Dog dog dog. It's <laughs> exactly what it was. Yeah. And hustled it up from there.
2: Yeah. So I'm just saying, yeah, we don't have to call it poverty or not, but it was five hundred bucks with five hundred bucks doing it a month. And for you it was fourteen grand in the bank. And you owed someone
4: $90,000. <laughs> but also important is I, I, I feel like everybody's so different on that spectrum. And yeah, yeah. I used to recommend put yourself in that environment, which is what I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. But then for you, you've obviously done very well for yourself. But you're also quite uncomfortable even though you have Oh yeah. Yeah, the most, times. The most, well, oh, the, the most money the
2: by account. far. Can okay, I share one well, other thing just because I think it's funny? So that fourteen grand became zero because our business wasn't successful. Yeah. And you liquidated your 401k to pay rent,
1: right? Yeah, I took out. So this is needlessly complicated but you put money into a 401k when you have a job and you plan to take it out at 65 and you won't pay taxes on it and you can invest in all that stuff if you take it out before then you pay like a 20% penalty and so I had like and the taxes yeah so I'd put in like two grand in a year and a half (laughs) is that it and I contacted the HR person I was like I'd like to withdraw my 401k (laughs) she's like $1,600? Sixteen hundred dollars. I was like, "Yes, please, <laughs> like, like, please hurry, <laughs> uh, dude!" And you know what was funny? What a windfall that was. I was yeah. like, "On!" I yeah. was flush, man. Yeah. I had so much money at that point. I went from three digits for like months on end, and then I was in four again. I was killing it. Yeah. I was, the other I, was thing we did, I love that story
2: oh you were tutoring you were teaching people I was tutoring English,
1: right? yeah I was t- I, so I, I did SAT tutoring I Airbnb'd my bed to a number of people and slept on, oh that was hilarious yeah, yeah yeah we, jay, thinking, we like
4: took shifts we go in the living room and having our bedroom be, yeah, yeah, be- yeah. Airbnb'd
1: yeah
2: Child, I when are on the couch constantly did Airbnb. you Airbnb your wooden block of bed no I think you got a bed. mattress by the up okay nice
4: there's a thin there's a double double doona nice double comfort double doona what do you call them over here yeah so flip side
2: I was very I was very nervous about poverty. I don't know why. But uh, the idea of running out of money was very terrifying to me. And so, my solution was to go work for four years before leaving Mm -hmm. and try to bank as much money as possible so I could have the biggest safety net possible. Because I didn't do the stoicism of, oh, I'm going to be okay. I just went, I feel very not okay. Mm -hmm. So, you quit your job a year before me? A year and a half before me? A year, plus a year. Yeah, and you were working full time. And I would go work a full job and then come back and start working on the company at night because I wasn't comfortable with that so I didn't do the stoic thing I just accepted my tolerance or lack of tolerance for it and went okay well, what's the solution mm-hmm. huge nest big egg. bank account yeah yeah okay how do we do that all right let's do that we'll work two jobs basically
4: mm-hmm. I'm curious for the hoopits, but you weren't comfortable having like no money I was very uncomfortable not creating that freedom for myself like after living with you guys in Brazil just having a good time it was it was amazing and I was very uncomfortable with going back to another life (laughs) and going to a nine-to-five so i did have an uncomfort pushing me i'm curious if you guys did as well even if it wasn't a a fear of having nothing
1: no so our first year we each made twenty nine thousand dollars and my feeling was i can do this forever (laughs) like like if this is what it is to work to work, you know, well, but not crazy hours, and hang out with your buddies, and make enough money to buy the skin of your teeth, plus Airbnb, plus a uh, couple hayash from <laughs> from uh, tutoring, whatever. I was like, I could do this forever. Mm-hmm. This is this is a completely sustainable plan. So I actually didn't worry that it but when was you were taking about at that super maybe when I was oh the four hundred one k. Yeah, well, I was like, I can only do this once. (laughs) I I truly think I worried more for
2: Charlie's financial situation than he did. did. Like, I would work, because I had enough money to be okay, right? I would work so that we could make revenue, (laughs) pay our expenses, split it in half, and get Charlie rent money. Like, that was actually my fuel i see uh i think more so than charlie even because i was watching
4: i was watching you charlie because our bank accounts were very reflective of each other i'm like are we good
2: (laughs) (laughs) we're not stressed Um, yet we're not stressed go to
4: the beach um and at one point you had taken out your 401k and you know you're spending it yeah and i was like okay what's i'm curious at what the next move is do you remember what you did
1: after the 401k yeah. Oh, I, I had I had a list of things that I could do to generate to make money, money. Yeah. and it was it was i mentioned this: uh, play guitar on the street, begging for dollars. Uh, like they went, it went all the way down yeah. to to busking at some point, which is yeah. don't need a boss. Like <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. show up and and try my hand at this. I can this. play whatever
2: songs I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: so I and there were other things that were like get a job. But I guess the nicest thing about that period of my life was I had already for it wasn't suffering, but for a year and a half done a job that was soul crushing to me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to do this runway of starting a business for as long as I possibly can. And when I hit the absolute no negotiating with it bottom, I will go beg for one of those soul-crushing jobs for another year. And I will try this again. It was like, I am going to repeat this cycle until I don't have to go back to the soul-crushing job. And I understood. I was like... I might have to. I might have to. to, I might have to. Uh, It might take four cycles of this to get all the way through. And honestly, that's what Henry did. Henry Henry quit, went to Brazil, Mm -hmm. and then had to go back and get a job. Um, To your question, I have two things I'd like to uh, respond to.
3: For one, personally, I didn't really see myself succeed until I was in enough pain to make it happen. So when we were in Brazil... And you guys just shared your stories about uh, your, your your Brazil stories. I didn't create any business or any assets while I was there because I had mommy's credit card, <laughs> uh, and I didn't need to. And there was no there was no f- fuel
1: under the fire. And Henry then, was technically in college at that time, so my mom thought, okay, while he's technically I'll pay in for this, his education, this uh, educational part of life, I'll cover college. I did not receive a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Henry occasionally Uh, bought me some acai. He bought me acais and chicken from from mom every now and then. Uh, And then to your, again,
3: personal story, to your second – or my second point would be uh, when I realized that I could be successful and you might do this too, is that I realized I could – Charlie had the conversation with me at the time that I would be in the same exact position if I quit and had to go back to my job six months later or a year later. That there was literally nothing to lose and I didn't actually – like feel this way or think this way um but charlie was helpful and you guys were helpful in realizing that that I, that i could just go back to what i was doing that or even at a lower lower club level level, yeah lower monetary level no i think people
2: often think that it's going to be the end of the world if they quit a job and oftentimes you
1: just slot right back in mm-hmm. so uh, to just wrap this question it sounds like you want to find out what your floor is and the answer is well you don't know until you try (laughs) so like yeah yeah the other thing is you kind of have an inkling right
2: if it stresses you it's going to stress you yeah yeah. if it doesn't if the idea of it doesn't stress you it's likely that you'll be okay yeah if the idea of it while you're not doing it causes you anxiety like it did for me then it's going to cause you anxiety and you should plan accordingly and get a nest egg i think Mm -hmm. we all had a decent idea before we did it of how we're going to feel
1: yep and then we're steered buyer internal yeah yeah no
2: I'm saying no one was no one was off it's not like you're like oh I'll be fine and then it's liquidate 401k time and all of a sudden you panic yeah (laughs) you lose your mind you know what I mean just didn't happen so I think yeah you you have a good sense go with your intuition cool any other questions audience questions
1: that's it thank you people (laughs) it's not the end of an era it's the pause (laughs) of an era so thank you everybody who listened Uh, I this is my camera now I'm used to this one (laughs) thanks everybody this is episode 47 we'll probably get to 50 with With a couple of guests in in 2020. What? what? Peace out, everybody! Thanks for coming on, guys. Later. Peace.